Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-host Kira Jade Opitz and Brandon McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is Weird Kid Video. We need to talk about old business. Do we need to old business, old business? Because we haven't had old business for a very long time. In fact, I was editing a podcast this week for a future episode. And in that episode, we mentioned that we'll probably have a bit of old business for next week. And then we did no old business yeah. <laughs> of any kind. We just keep forgetting. <laughs> we do. Also, the things that I say I'm going to old business, it is not important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, half the time when I say something wrong, I just cut it out of the podcast. We should probably just do old business when something comes up to old business. I know, but I do like the pattern of doing old business yeah. and then new business. I am a creature of habit. And, you know, it is from Adam's family. Yeah. <laughs> old business is old business and new business is new business. And this is new business and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. In case people have not gotten that reference, I took it directly from old the business. 1990 Adam's family. So I got no old business. I got no old business except to say that D and D last night was real fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's technically new business or sideways business. Sideways yeah. business. Yeah, we did play D and D. If we're a little low energy today, it's because we played quite an intense Dungeons and Dragons. Session. And I put a lot of energy into that. <laughs> Man, I, it just took me like half an hour to. I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah I hear. Mm, okay, no, I can do this. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be <laughs> interesting episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, new business. New business. New business. This week, we are rolling in line towards a dystopian future that looks a hell of a lot like the 90s, but also 2023. We are talking about Prayer of the Roller Boys from 1990. On the streets of the future, a new breed of warrior is rising. A deadly paramilitary gang has taken control, and only one young hero has the courage to stop them. Roller Boys aren't just another gang. They own buildings, factories, foreign investments, and need someone on the inside. It's not easy. You don't know how easy it is. Say your prayers, because Prayer of the Rollers is coming to video cassette exclusively from Academy Entertainment. What the fuck was this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get into it, this is our third movie from 1990 in a row. Really? Yeah. This is on our birth birth year straight up, on yeah. 1990. Yeah, you two, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's make that clear. I mean, Hectic. people know that. <laughs> Honorary 1990. Yeah, okay. So this is a strong 90s push yep. with that little bit of 80s flavoring. Yeah, well, 1990 makes sense because not much of the 90s has happened yet. Yeah, true. I feel like this almost set the tone for 90s <laughs> style-wise anyway. I think real hard and not making a lot of sense. <laughs> Yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> You're going to start with this? <laughs> I, well, we're going to have a conversation about it. But Can't we have it now? Uh, let me do my thing and then we can get into it. Let me get, let me go through the credits <laughs> and the cast and I'll get into the thing that you want to do. Directed by Rick King. He directed about 14 movies starting in the mid 80s through to the early 2000s. His last three credits are mostly history channel documentaries about World War II. Right, so Which, not, uh, not, not Rollerboy sequels. No, 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 no. The 
Other movie that he directed that we might talk about is Kickboxer 3, The Art of War in 1992. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, directed Kickboxer 3. I like that Did one. Did it have JVCD? No, he's not in it after, after one. Oh, okay. So it's his brother. Oh, really? Yeah. It's his brother through, I think it's- Like brother in the film or brother in life? No, brother in the movie. Oh, From right. like two through to like four or five, I think. Oh, my God. Before they rebooted I didn't even it. Know there before they sequels. rebooted them and John-Claude came back. Fuck. And that was like three or four years ago. Wow. Yeah. What is more interesting about Rick King is that he wrote a particular movie with the writer of this movie- that is of great interest to me. Go on. Right? W. Peter Illiff is the writer of this movie. He co-wrote with Rick King, Point Break. Shut ah. up. Dude, I fucking feel that so hard. They co-wrote the story together with Illiff writing the actual screenplay for Point Break. Right. Dude, like, I'm not going to lie. Um, what's what's our main character's name? Oh, God. Um, Griffin. Boy. Griffin is proto uh, Keanu Reeves in Point Break, kind of. They both go undercover. Yeah. Yeah. And they both have and the get, same, like. They both get too deep. Oh, can I just say, what is it with, like, I, I had this for later, but what is it with, like, 90s, like, kind of trying to be hot vibes with, like, having an open mouth, like. <sighs> I'm so, that's just, I'm so shocked about everything. That's just Corey Hames. <laughs> okay. Cor- get, Corey Hames and Keanu Reeves. You'll get used to it. <laughs> Illif would go on to write Patriot Games with Tom Clancy, oh, wow. Jack Ryan. Yep, yeah. With Harrison Ford. He wrote a tale from the Crypt episode. Ah. Hectic. Varsity Blues. Oh, really? Fuck. With James Vanderbeek and Ali Lada. And yeah. a bunch of other people are in that I movie. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, I like that movie too. Yeah. I don't think it's aged well. Really? Yeah. I haven't watched it. It's a very, very... I, I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and his last writing, writing credit is from 2022. He wrote a Euro action low budget movie starring Antonio Banderas called The Enforcer. Oh, man. I think so I've was, seen that. Was there like a long break between if his latest one was... He's 20- worked, worked kind of like inconsistently. Right. And then that credit just kind of like pops up out of nowhere after he hadn't worked for a few years. Okay. Is that common for Maybe writers? The, okay. Maybe the script was, this is all speculation. Maybe the script was floating around like uh, it's an it, older script. And it took a while, yeah. And then, uh, and then a, you know, one of those Euro, we only make action movies really cheap in Bulgaria companies. Yeah. And then we put stars in them, bought, found the script and bought it. And then- yeah. Because film industry feels like the kind of industry, especially for writers, I would imagine, where you have to keep Making being shit. in people's heads and yeah. writers being become, around. Writers, it's a really unfortunate thing to say, writers tend to have a use-by date. If you are solely a writer, you become hot, people become interested in your stuff, and then slowly people will become less interested, even if your writing has not gotten worse. Because they find something because new. Because they will find something new, someone new. Right. That, is the, that is the new thing. That shit. Right. So which is why a lot of writers transition into producing yeah. or, to, or to directing. That right? makes sense. Starring Corey Haim as Griffin. Corey! <sighs> yep. Yep. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't get the hype. I don't get the hype. You I'm don't sorry. Get don't get the hype. It's okay. Corey Haim! <laughs> yeah. Straight off the bat, his life was really rough. It's pretty rough. Yeah. He was a drug addict as a child. Oh. Right. Child, um, child? Yeah, child, child. Um, like in this movie kind of thing? Oh, uh, he's probably still going through right. issues during the making of this movie. He was from, from, from a small child. Uh, he struggled his whole life and went through some pretty awful shit that was done to him as a child actor by people that were meant to be in charge of him. Wow. He passed away in 2010 at 38 due to cumulative health problems. Basically, he just got worn out, 
right? Yeah. Like he he just died way too young. We're not here to gossip about any of that shit. No. Which is why I'm mentioning it now. Because really it's just not important. It's important to me. Haim and Feldman, the Corys, were massive for me as a kid. I just want to be able to appreciate him and his charisma in this kind of batshit movie, even if you don't feel it, Brody. Oh, right. look, he was a fine leading man. I just, you guys are real hype about him. <laughs> yeah. Kane's got the nostalgic aspect and I like Kane. So, so, <laughs> so, when, so, I'm so, so when he introduces me to vicariously something. Kind so of when thing, he yeah. introduces me to something that he's really excited about, I end, I end up feeling the same way. And yeah. also we, like early on in our relationship, I think we watched like, 10 movies that had one of the Corys in it sort of right. like in a yeah. row because we went through a phase of, I'm going to introduce you to the Corys. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> and, and to do a little backstory earlier than I would normally do, when I was a small kid, I wanted to be Corey Haim. Yeah, because he seemed like that. the coolest motherfucker on the planet. Him and Corey that. Feldman felt like they were cool. So there were people that I, they were older than me that I looked up to. Yeah. that I kind of was like, you know, how you do that when you're when you're a yeah, kid. Yeah, fucking when you see kids, still do that. You see kids that are slightly older to you, yeah. and you're like, when I'm that old, I want to be that cool. Yeah, Corey Haim was that for me. I mean, that, now whether or not the he hat actually and the sunglasses look in this fucking movie, it was a vibe. whether or not he actually is cool. I don't know, yeah, right? Yeah, but because I can't, I can't see past that. I can't, can't see past that, right? Yeah, so it'd be sure. interesting on your on your perspective. Other movies of his that we will most definitely end up talking about: Silver Bullet, Lucas, The Lost Boys, License mm-hmm. to Drive, Dream a Little Dream, Dream Machine, Fast Getaway, Lots of Car <laughs> related right. movies. Oh, What a Night, which is a really fun movie. Just One of the Girls, which we saw the trailer for. <laughs> okay. I forgot yeah. about that. Blown Away, which is like so tr- Like it's one of the trashiest, sleaziest movies I've ever seen in my life. And I cannot believe it exists. And and more. There's there's more out there. Patricia Arquette as Casey. Yeah, that was wow. a surprise. That was. Just- I had definitely forgotten she was in this. But also, is she even remotely, like age-wise? Yeah. yeah. There's a Are great- they- question they're asked close? during they're pretty, film. Yeah, I think they're pretty close in age. Okay. I think she's younger than you think that she is. Yeah, I think movie. she must be her too. Her face looks old. I, well, that's she, a terrible she, thing. She's beautiful, but her face she, has not changed. Yeah, she has I, the same. She, yeah. she hasn't, she, her face, you can recognize her from yeah. a very yeah. young age as the exact same person she is now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because I know her from Freddie. Which we're, I'm about to talk about, yeah. What do yeah. I know her from? Lots of things. Lots of things. So, yeah. I would love to hear her talk about this movie because how? Yeah. <laughs> how, is, how is she in this movie? <laughs> her first and breakout role is as Kristen in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Very relevant to our D&D game last night. Yeah. This movie is three years after that, which is oh, where the right. howl comes in. Yeah. And she, she seems so much younger in Dream Warriors than yeah. she does in this one. She's third generation Hollywood. Third generation? Yeah, yeah. she's an Arquette, right? She's an Arquette, yeah. Her grandfather yeah. was Cliff Arquette and her father was Louis Arquette. He's the sheriff in Scream. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. In which he appears with his son, David Arquette. Yeah. Mm. Patricia's brother. Ah. Her other siblings- Alexis and Rosanna are also actors. Rosanna Arquette's in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. All right. Lots of other lots of other bits and pieces. Are they all like? Do they all get along? Are they all? I don't know. I don't do know. They, do, 
I'm not in the Are group. They ever in I'm not in the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> do, they, do they ever do movies together or? I don't know if they've ever been on. Oh yeah, they've shared screen, the screen. Obviously, Lewis and and David were in Scream together, and I'm yeah. sure that they have had other. David is the most known for our generation, right? And to Patricia. a certain, to a certain, yeah, and Patricia to a certain degree yeah. of people. Yeah, her other films that we might touch on: True Romance. Mm. Oh yeah, Ed Wood, mm. Lost Highway. Movie called Nightwatch with Ewan McGregor. That's a remake of a German film. That's from like a sleeper so from the mid nineties. No, no, it is not the movie that you were oh, thinking okay. of. That's called Nightwatch. That's from the two thousands. Okay. <laughs> Stigmata. Oh. Have you ever seen Stigmata? I've heard of it when I was I younger. Seen it. Yeah, that's a wild movie. Uh, yeah, I don't remember much of it. Totally underrated. Scorsese bringing out the dead with Nicolas Cage from nineteen ninety eight. Not seen it. Oh, it's amazing. It's incredible. Okay. Totally on the list. She's in Holes, which is. Not Tremors or The Gate. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. I know nothing about holes. Do not ask me about holes. Yeah, I have not seen it from that. <laughs> Some of the other cast I will talk about as we progress through the movie. Trailers, no trailers. I've owned this tape for more than 20 years, so it's really trashed. It's kind of moldy. So we had to <laughs> figure out other methods to see this movie. Uh, yeah, I normally talk about how to watch a movie later, but this movie is really hard to find. Really hard to find. It's an independent Good. movie from a company that no longer exists. Okay, that's where we're going. Cool. Do you I'm think? Sorry. I'm do sorry. you think? There is no Blu-ray. There is a DVD that is obviously out of print and hard to find. There is no HD version of this movie available. It does not appear on Just Watch. No. The only way to watch this movie, if you do not own the VHS or the DVD, is YouTube. The whole movie is on YouTube. Yep. <laughs> it was the only way we could watch it. It was the only way yeah. it was going to happen. So that's what. We, so that's what we did for the, for this episode. I'm like. If the company doesn't exist and the rights are confused and yeah. I can't buy it legally, what am I going to do? Fair enough. Right? I don't blame you, Ken. Well, that's okay. I, I, I accept your you. forgiveness. Who is going to recap the premise of Prayer of the Roller I think I should. Yeah, I, I think feel you like should you too. should. Yeah. Um, as the only one who hasn't seen it before, um, let me just preface this. I had a great time watching this movie. Does not mean I'm not going to rag on it when I get a chance to, okay? So please just understand that, Kira. I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. So as far as I can tell, this is just an America post-apocalypse um, where skateboard, where, where rollerblading is what's cool and there's it's a dr- drug gang movie, kind of like an undercover cop movie, but not. It's real fucking confusing and it's also real fucking confused. Basically, Corey Haim destroys a gang. That is it. You didn't mention the white supremacy. <laughs> oh, that is that is part of the confusion. Yeah. There is strong white supremacy. There is strong uh, Ameri- American nationalism. There is strong like anti-World War II and capitalism vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is fucking all over the place. But I'm we'll kind of here for it, but I'm also like going to, you know. That wasn't yeah. really a recap. That turned into a review. Yeah, I'm well, sorry. But the, the recap is Corey Haim takes down white supremacy drug lords. Yeah, that's not... On rollerblades. On yes, the, on, on rollerblades. That's the most that's important key. part. In the blockbuster entertainment guide to movies and videos from 1998, and yeah, it's in here. I started looking for other sources because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And Jenna then, Maslin, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the entry for... Prayer of the Roller Boys is here somewhere. In dismal future LA, Haim searches for brother by joining the Roller Boys. Huh? Yep. I don't think that they watched the movie closely a, enough. A gang, <laughs> a gang of rollerblading Nazi punks led by Colette, who may be a descendant of Hitler. About as bad as it sounds. Good skating, though. Two stars. We need uh, to talk about several things. 
One, he's not searching for his, bro- for, no, for his brother. Two, not good skating. Uh, the skating's okay. <laughs> Two, there is no mention in this movie of Gary Lee being... Yes, yes. Of Gary Lee being a descendant of Hitler. No. I think there might be another cut of this movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think that... I feel like there might be another cut of this movie. We'll never find it and we will never know, <laughs> but that is not the only reference to oh, that that right, I okay. found. Because right. there has been some reviews that we've we've uh, read out that have sounded like the reviewer only part watched the movie. There's yeah. a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons that I went with the um, blockbuster guide as opposed to like a Leonard Moulton, right? Because there's a Leonard Moulton guide, the film critic, sure. that is basically the same thing. The reason I didn't go with Leonard Moulton is because it's one person's perspective. It's Leonard ah, Moulton's perspective on every movie, right? And the thing about the blockbuster guide is it's kind of an, it's anonymous. You don't know who wrote that review. Yeah. We have no idea. These are probably, there's probably dozens, if not more yeah. people that wrote, wrote these reviews. So I always think that that's kind of interesting, but yeah, we have noticed some factual errors in yeah. some of the movies that we've done, that we have done. Yeah. But it's very guide. good call that there probably are other cuts out there. Janet Maslin of the New York Times. <gasps> no fucking way. Oh. Couldn't find a contemporary review. I don't even know if this movie got a theatrical release in Australia. I know it did in the US, but it was definitely straight to, straight to video here. Leonard Moulton in one of his movie guides, yeah. which was the only other review of this movie that yeah. I could find, similar to the blockbuster guide, but he gave it two and a half stars out of four. Wow. A provocative setting and some clever bits of dark comedy are weakened by needless excessive violence. Christopher Collette, as usual, projects enough magnetism for 10, but even yeah. he cannot counteract a painfully predictable finale. Yeah. It's the only other reference. I struggled so hard to find research for this for this, this movie. This film has disappeared Although, from Although yesterday, yeah, I found a promotional reel for the VHS release. Yeah. That was clearly not public facing. It was business facing. Uh. It was retail facing because it was kind of a trailer but it also like talked about the stars how important the stars of the movie are and and the marketing campaign yeah and featured clips of people walking out of movie theaters talking to camera talking about oh great movie so exciting blah 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 right so it's a retail sizzle reel for the movie to promote it to video stores okay i'm gonna talk about something that that is in that yeah a little bit a little bit later Count on this all-star cast to power Prayer of the Roller Boys to rental success. Teen superstar Corey Haim from Lucas, Licensed to Drive, Murphy's Romance, and The Lost Boys comes of age as an actor. As New York Post critic Rex Reed says, his talents don't seem to recognize limitations. Haim is moving into the fast lane, according to People Magazine, and millions of teenagers are watching his every move. Patricia Arquette of Far North and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 stars as an undercover agent. And Christopher Collet of Firstborn and the Manhattan Project is Rollerboy gang leader Gary Lee. Rollerboys was released in November of 1990. I couldn't lock down the week when, but the biggest movies in the US that cracked to the top five that month, Rollerboys is not on the list at all, clearly, were Jacob's Ladder, (laughs) which Brody only knows because of a different movie podcast. Ghost in its 17th week of release. Oh, wow. Child's Play 2, Home Alone, Rocky Five. Holy shit. Three Men and a Little Lady. Dances with Wolves. What the fuck? This lineup is great. Predator 2 and Misery. Those movies all came out in the same month. Holy fuck. Or were still showing in cinemas in the US in the same month. Some of them were probably before before that. Back in the day, I would have just lived at the fucking movie cinema, hey? Yes. Quentin Tarantino says that the the, the 80s and 90s 
until he arrived, were <laughs> the some of the worst cinema that was ever created. And I so strongly disagree with him because look at the garbage that we get now. But also look at how much has like definitely influenced his fucking work. No, his work is influenced from earlier. It's not influenced by things from the eighties. You reckon? Yeah, it's not. My backstory with this movie, I kind of talked a little bit about it before. Yeah. This movie is a Venn diagram of my many interests as a teen. Yeah. One or more Corey's skateboarding and or inline skating. Nine inch nails. Movies where teens have no parents. Slightly cyberpunk dystopian future. Mm. and one or more Corys. And yes, I know I already said that. Yeah. <laughs> this is a video store find. This is me walking down the aisles of my local yeah. and spotting a Cory movie I hadn't seen before, renting it on site without a second thought, and then spending the rest of my life inflicting it on other people. Yeah. <laughs> because it's wild. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely one of those movies where you have to go, hey, I need to show you this movie. Yeah. And yeah. I hadn't seen it in 10 years since I sat and watched it with Kira. And yeah, it hits different in 2023, given the state of the world. Yeah. I will talk about m- more of that in a, in a second within the context of the movie. That's but it plays very out. differently now yeah. than it did 10 years ago. Yeah. Very differently. A lot more cartoonish in the past. It was a little, yeah, it was a little less right. too Point real. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk our way through Pro the Roller Boys, uh, shall we? Fuck yeah. Kira just wanted to have a nice time. So, <laughs> many, 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 many podcasts ago, this movie was on the list. <laughs> and I made a big deal about how we had to watch this movie because it has Corey Haim in it. I stand by my request for a Corey Haim movie. Mm. Here's the thing. This feels like a notes app apology. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Like I said earlier, I watched this during a The Corey's Binge with mm. Kian. I do not really truly remember this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered the roller skating. Yeah. I remembered Corey Haim being Corey mm. Haim. He's a good looking guy. I like roller skating movies. We watched around the same time of our relationship life. We watched a bunch of movies about people like doing like speed skating races down hills and mountains yeah. and thrashing would go into and, this category and, yeah. and, and cool, thrashing cool, cool. and all the rest of them and some some that were airborne. Yep. Yeah, on the okay. list. Some, okay. that, some that were on bikes, some that were on skateboards. It's called Teens on Wheels. I have a whole uh, list of them on my letterbox. Oh if you'd my like yeah. God. So we watched a lot of those and we also watched a lot of Corey movies and I think the thing that I want to make clear is that I did not in any way remember the plot of this film. <laughs> so I was surprised by a lot of things all the way through it as well, including just like the basics of, I didn't even remember that the Roller Boys were the bad guys in this movie. I did not think they were going to be the bad guys. I just assumed that they were the good guys because I knew that Corey was one of them yeah. and I knew that Corey was a good guy. And mm. because I did not remember the storyline of this movie at all, it was like, oh, I don't, I don't know this movie. So I want to just make it clear that this isn't like my favorite movie of you all time. So we th- you it. weren't like super excited to watch a movie about white supremacists? No. No, I wasn't. And I mean, even if I had remembered the plot, I probably wouldn't have remembered that because like we've said, it w- wasn't as relevant 10 years ago as yeah. it is now. So yeah. it might not have yeah. stood like, out to me the way the, it like does we, now. We have talked about movies where I have like, I mean, this is the pump up the volume thing, right? Yeah. Where like... I was like, no, 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 you need to separate it from the, like you the were time. looking at it with a 2022 lens and you yeah. need to separate it from the context because back then that didn't, that wasn't the way it was viewed. This movie is almost like the opposite of that where it became so much more fucking like yeah. pre- prescient and relevant yeah. to a very scary degree that 
Yeah, I like. Uh, yeah, we have you know to talk what I about thought? this movie yeah, it's weird. because it's very I, I assumed the Roller Boys were the heroes for a large yeah. chunk of the the start of this move, movie. Watching it, and I was like, okay, what's, well, what's going they give, on? They give away the game pretty quickly. Yeah, but, yeah. but I thought in my head, I was like, okay, so this must be a movie about a corrupt leader that our hero pushes out and writes the ship. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is not. That is not the film. We got to talk about the movie. Let's talk through, <laughs> yeah. talk through the movie. So we open in the future as a tattoo design of a dragon around a neon cross yeah. turns into our title. Intercut, we see Griffin blading at high speed as the credits roll. Is that Griffin? It is quite a bit of him. Okay. He skates quite a lot in this movie. There is More a shot I where I was like, that is not, that's not his I'm face. sure that there is stuff that there is, there is a stunt double that okay. does a lot of his skating, but okay. he can skate. Kira just read the back of the box. <laughs> so you're not allowed to, we, we have a rule where you don't read the back of the box because I give <laughs> things away, but I would love to know what you think is. Yeah, please. I just love the last line of this. I mean, I was reading it to see whether or not the, if we'd read the back of the box, whether it would have given away that the roller boys are the bad guys. It sure. doesn't really. Okay. But the last line of this is that they, they, um, the white-robed army of youths gliding relentlessly through the post-industrial wasteland on supercharged speed skates called rollerblades. Oh, yes. wow, that's a line. <laughs> One of the things that the uh, this is a real promo is talks about how hot rollerblades are at that moment. Oh, wow. Inline skates have taken over the country and prayer of the roller boys will be fueled by an overwhelming built-in consumer demand thanks to the hottest new fitness trend in this century. Blades are the new rage and the momentum is staggering. Millions of people are lacing up and blading off. So they were trying to tap into the zeitgeist the way, exactly the same way that, that thrashing came to be. Wow. Um, so I wanted that bandana and flannel look. Can I just say, like, that is a, a nice look, look. That is one of the looks from the '90s that has not come back, and it fucking should over all this other trash '90s <laughs> stuff that's come back. Sure. Well, you can work on that. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I think the show that you're talking about is when Griffin does a flip. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly not his face. Yeah. Tobacco filter. Mm. This whole movie is lens filtered. I so wonder how they did this. It's. Every single scene of this movie has a filter in front of the lens that is affecting its color. There is a it shot. Is wild. It's crazy. I would. That's the thing. I would love to see a HD version of this movie yeah. because I imagine it would be so colorful because the, even the, the version that we watched, the color was fairly vibrant, but I know that I'm looking at a washed out SD image. There's a shot over the ocean that I'm like, are they somehow pumping fog into the ocean? Like graduated, what's going on? graduated black blue filters, graduated uh, tobacco, tobacco filters. This whole movie is lens filtered. See, I've never camera. used lens filters. So they're like magic to me when I watch it. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So Griffin rollerblades over to his brother, Milty, who is dumpster diving. He finds a coffee machine and on a TV, we see Gary Lee, head roller boy, standing in front of an American flag. He lays out some exposition and some white nationalism for us. It's yeah, right there. It was, it was, it was, a. um, yeah, this was the first. Oh no, I yeah. don't know this movie. Yep. <laughs> America in the nineties when the racists were the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> Before many of you were born, our parents caused the great crash. They were consumed with greed. They ignored repeated warnings and borrowed more money than they could ever repay. They lost our farms, lost our factories, lost our homes. While he's talking, we get Griffin blading intercut with Milty spotting Casey back with Gary Lee. Alien races foreclosed on our nation while we, we were locked in homeless camps. Now America belongs to the enemy. Forget your parents. 
they didn't care about us. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, look. Is it ever explained who the enemy is? It's other countries. It's foreigners. It's yeah. foreigners? So the, okay. the setup is, is that America had a financial collapse that was, let's just say it's 10 times 2008, right? Yeah. And that all of the debt was bought by foreign countries causing America to barely be a yeah. country anymore. There is other stuff sprinkled through the movie that gives us more information that I will highlight as we go through. Some of it you may have missed. Some of it, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Griffin sp skates into Venice Beach. That is territory. Hey, guys. Such a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I did get very strong vibes. It's of, very Venice. Yeah. It's very Dogtown. Yeah. It's super. It's That is Dogtown. Can I ask a question? Sure. Was rollerblading really yes. ever cool? It was a f massive fad. It was incredibly. I know this. I know this. It's incredibly like, hot. Every kid wanted rollerblades. Like, even when you did it well, you never looked cool. There are so many movies from this period of time about teenagers with rollerblades. I used to rollerblade. I used to think it was cool. Hey, like, yeah, it was before us though. But the, it was like a, the, the height you, of it. And it was a fad. But like, so it, it came and went. You were good. You didn't look cool. Okay. Milty is watching Gary Lee on TV. If you're going to get hung up on rollerblading, this is not the movie for I you. I mean, I just wanted to put that out there and just be like, it was never cool. Milty is watching Gary Lee on TV in the Rollerboys recruitment store. We are the new generation and we are the remedy. You need a new family, a family that cares. The Roller Boys care. Join with us. Let us be your strength. Let us be your warriors. We see the Roller Boys in their matching trench coats. Oof. Blading in unison. Oh, the deadly flying V. They are in fact in a flying V. Help the white army win back our homeland. The day of the rope is coming. As he finishes, he raises both of his fists in the roller boy salute. And we're yeah. going to deal with this right now. The day of the rope is a phrase that the screenwriters of this movie took from a 1978 book called The Turner Diaries, mm -hmm. which is a novel about the overthrow of America and a race war and has been turned into how-to for white nationalists. Yeah. It's where the white genocide theory comes from. Yeah. Oh. White replacement theory, which is, of course, absolute bullshit. In that book, the day of the rope is the day that all race traders of white folk are dragged out of their homes and hung. Yeah. And they took that and put this in this movie. Now, I can't believe I have to do this fucking two weeks in a row because I had to mention it during Tremors, but this book was an inspiration for the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, okay. wow. Now, this movie came out in 1990 and much like in Tremors with our crazy gun nuts, mm. this shit was still pretty underground and it's a complete fluke that their little fantasy teen dystopia became kind of... Our Real? reality. Yeah. With America, they're basically a post-apocalyptic wasteland and lots of white nationalists. <laughs> Depiction is not endorsement, but it's also pretty fucking stupid to put this shit in a movie when you could have made up a phrase that is not, or did not know, already exist. We all know, like when we write something, we look for, we research things yeah. for a deeper meaning and we drop in little Easter eggs that make us feel clever, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's I, just, I would defend its use. I don't think when it gets to a movie format and people and a producer doesn't know what the rope is, they don't go like, hey, maybe we should remove that. Okay. The reason that I'm talking about this is because the roller boys are basically like fucking proud boys, right? Yeah. In the promotional sizzle reel that I found, 
there are people chanting Day of the Rope. Oh, no. Coming out of a cinema. Action is unbelievable. I don't even know how they filmed it. It's a 10 on the scale of 1 to 10. 10. I've already seen it twice. It's a rush. Day of the Rope. No. Oh no! Typical. So, as a writer, I don't think anything should be off limits, right? Yeah. You can write about whatever you want to do, but you need to think about the social responsibilities that you have when you include a phrase that has been used for actual hate crimes in your movie. Mm. And it, there's no excuse because it was 1990. I agree. People, I will say the other thing is, is the movie, even though the movie is against the Roller Boys. Mm. Every fucking shot of them skating is designed to make them the coolest fucking thing on the planet. Yeah. When rollerblading was the coolest fucking and, thing on the planet. And bloody, what's his name? Colette or whatever. Um, Christopher Colette, yeah. Yeah. He Gary is Lee. Just like, call him Gary Lee. Yeah, please. Gary Lee. Um, he's extremely, like they said, extremely charismatic and does a good job yeah. at selling that message. Yeah. I want to talk about the movie and have a fun time because also the yeah. movie is like fucking insane, right? But we can't just not talk about talk about that stuff. I do want to say though that I don't know how responsible an uh, artist can be for a someone taking the wrong thing from their. I don't think that Roller Boys is the reason the, the Proud Boys exist. No, 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 this no, movie wasn't big enough. Yet, but it's not. But it's they took something that has a meaning, right, yeah. and then depicted it in a way that make that positions it as being like cool. Yeah. that results in teenagers walking out of a movie theater chanting it. The choice to use it is not the issue. The depiction is the is the issue. It's a lack of it's a lack of self awareness and res- and taking responsibility. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole thing. I don't it's know. Difficult. Yeah. It's interesting that they would come out of the movie theater chanting that though, because I don't feel like yes, it's in the movie, but I don't feel like it's in the movie in a way that would make you then chant it after the movie. They probably yeah. again, it's because they made the Roller Boys cool. Yeah. yeah, no, but it's not like even in the, in the movie the the. the Roller Boys chant Day of the Rope? Yes. Yeah. All the way through the movie. In the ceremony they do. Oh, in the, in the ceremony. That's what they're chanting kids in the ceremony. Do it. Yeah. Kids, kids are chanting it. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that that's what they were chanting. Yeah, so Griffin grabs, we're going to talk about the movie. Griffin grabs Milty and tells him that he told him not to come in there. At Speedbagger's bike shop, Griffin is working while Speedbagger coaches Milty on a punching bag. Speedbagger is a choice for a name. Let's just say that. Speedbag is a box is a boxing yeah. term and he's a he's a boxer. It so. just it's just a weird choice for a name. It, it is. It sounds vaguely offensive. I don't think I don't think it is. Yeah. It just sounds like it. But also that boxing stuff is real cute. Yeah. Speedbag is played by Julius Harris. He was in a bunch of black exploitation movies like Superfly, and Shaft's yeah. Big Score, Black Caesar. He's in Live and Let Die, the Bond movie, Taking a Pelham 123, the 1978 King Kong, which rules, <laughs> find me, and Dark, and Dark Man. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. So he, he was, um, obviously he's an older gentleman in this, but he'd already had like quite a career. So it's yeah, kind, of, kind of interesting. Casey comes in to have her blades looked at and Milty encourages Griffin to make a move. When he doesn't make a move, Milty makes a move for him. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, honey pie. My pro over there is the baddest skater there is. So... Why don't you rush me them digits in a maybe? Just maybe he'll give you a car. It's that thing that you that you've talked about before of the little little brother who is better with girls than the older brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happens in eighties movies. Yeah. Uh, she asks if he's such a great skater, why isn't he a roller boy? And then at Griffin's other job, delivering Pinky's pizzazz pizza. Yeah. That a was semi, pretty clever. In a semi armored van. His boss Pinky thinks they need to have that little talk again. Yeah. Don't accept dollars. 
And don't be stopping to smooze with the street coos. Street poon, I'm pretty sure he says. And I was like, that's an interesting choice. Says coos. Does he? Yes. Okay. It's, it's, they're not that different. Okay. Why shouldn't he take dollars? Because American Economic dollars aren't crash. worth anything. Yeah. They need uh, colorful European dollars. I get it. Yes. Um, Despite the fact that later when we have stacks of cash, they are American dollars. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's handed a wad of colourful euro bills at one point. We're inside later, inside yeah. the thing, it's all stacks of American dollars. Uh, okay. Yeah. By the way, Pinky's my favourite character. Yeah, he's dope. <laughs> Pinky's dope. Pinky's fantastic. Okay, he also says... If you need to kill someone, kill them or something like that. Yeah, so Pinky hands Griffin an AR-15 and says, if anyone messes with the van, kill them. Yeah, <laughs> so it's interesting that police forces are so prevalent in this movie, yet just rampant murder is everywhere. But as we'll find out, the police are very corrupt. Are they? Yeah. They seem to be the minority. Griffin. Also, can we just discuss how like very cumbersome the dialogue is in a lot of these scenes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Griffin drives around the corner and Milty jumps in the van. We see a homeless camp, basically a prison camp. Griffin's delivering to the guards. There's spotlights everywhere. Milty in the van spots a homeless girl about his age, so he gets out. A guy on the other side of the fence asks him if he has any mist. Yeah, all right. So I have never seen this film before. <laughs> and this is the point of the film where it's like, post-apocalypse, there's like a bike shop that he's working in. There's a pizza shop that he's working in. Everyone's rollerblading. There's like detention camps. He's delivering pizza in an armored car. Someone stops him at the fence and asks us if he's got any mist, asks the boy if he's got any mist. And I'm sitting there going like, what the fuck is going on? There's so much going on in this film. <laughs> yeah. There's just so much happening at all at once. And I don't know whether I love it or I fucking hate it. I am a fan of the world building and the aesthetic and the design of this movie. It feels like someone took like the original Total Recall and like, oh, I don't know. What's another movie with like uh, uh, Idiocracy I, I and just like smashed them together for a real random mix of things. You don't need to say original Total Recall. There's only one Total Recall oh, right. movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Milty gives the girl a slice of pizza and the guards turn their spotlights on him. Griffin is like, no, he's with me. It's okay. We see some people breathing in mist. And it glows as you suck it in. Mm. The dash map is out for their next delivery. Yeah, which is just a TV in the middle of the car. Yeah, yep. but also, like, it's GPS. Yeah, We didn't have that yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Milty doesn't know what a real map is. Well, that was he an interesting choice. He knows what it choice. is, he just doesn't know how to read it. Well, okay. I, well, it, Griffin complains because their dash map is a piece of shit American-made one, so he hands Milty a paper map, and he doesn't know how it works. Milty doesn't know how to read. Milty's not having any education. It's one of the themes of the movie. I thought he'd never seen a map before. He's never seen a, He has never seen a map before. He doesn't know how to use it. He doesn't know how to read. Uh, he doesn't have books. Where Do you see a book in this movie? Only when education he's is, like, hey, you should learn how to read. Yeah. Griffin literally says, I need to buy you an education. Yeah. Ahead of them, there's a house on fire. Running into the street come some gang members, B-13ers. It's clear that they set the fire and they bug out when they see Griffin. Did you guys... Recognize those men? No. It's just the crooked cops. Oh, my oh. God. Clear as day. Feel like an idiot. It, they reveal it later in the movie. Yeah. But I knew that you guys didn't probably didn't pick that up. No, I didn't. Yeah. He runs over to the house and at a window, there's a guy screaming for help. He backs the van into the into the house, which is kind of kind of cool. It's a nice little stunt. Oh, my God. The scene with fucking Bullwinkle makes so much sense later. In, in the girl's place. Sorry, continue. We'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Brody. Yeah, he opens up the back doors and gets 
the guy in, the cops are coming, and the guy that he saved takes off. It's Bullwinkle, who we'll meet later. Mm-hmm. Griffin gets arrested. They take Milty as well, who's like screaming that no jail can hold him. <laughs> He's such a legend. You guys don't have a jail that can hold me. Uh, get him out of here. Who's making shifty eyes? I want to know what it's about. Yesterday we played D&D, and Birdie really wanted to drive his van into a house to I rescue know, people. I some parallels, man. Did you get that idea from Rollerboys? <laughs> no, I hadn't even watched it at that stage. <laughs> Did you watch this this morning? <laughs> okay. Hey, I stand by it. It's a great way to start Sunday uh, morning. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just had it a It keeps it nice and fresh, like, but it yeah. does mean that you do miss a lot of things. Yeah, but I also appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that Milty is swinging for the fucking fences in every scene oh, that he's is, in. That is some acting. Does he have a career, like no. a big career? I couldn't find out any information That's about that. That's a shame time. because yeah. he's fucking great. Afterwards, a detective lets him go because his story checks out. He works for Pinky's Pizzazz. The detective is pretty pissed. Griffin saved scum. He backed his van into a mist house and saved a roller boy. Yeah, this is the first point where I was like, so the heroes are drug dealers? What's going on? Yeah, Pinky arrives and is very upset about his van. <laughs> the Pinky van, man. Griffin's going to have to pay for it. We get a skate montage of Griffin angrily skating through a car park. Yeah, it's so not cool. This is aimed for big chunks. You have a hang-up about rollerblades. That's just the way this is going to go. Rollerblades are cool, man. Guys, guys, guys. guys. When he is jumping over the line in this scene, he does not look cool. Like, he's doing, like, jumps over the line that's going down the road. We just have a difference of opinion. The Flying V... Is not cool. Like, I'm obviously looking at it for the first time with my modern lens. I think the -the over-the-top cult rollerblading where they're all wearing their matching outfits and moving their arms in unison is a bit much. Yeah. There's one one shot later that's, like, really funny because it's just so dumb. But but Corey's skating is is cool. Yeah, I think it is. The little jumps to each side of the line. Anyway. Milty is watching and asks where they're going to get the mauler to pay for the van. Enter the roller boys, single file, and then spreading out into the flying V. Oh. They skate in perfect sync like they are marching. Yeah. Okay. The that's sound, what it is. The sound also replicates the sound of marching. That's what it is. Because I was like, what is the point of this in movie? That is the point of it. Yeah. It's to evoke the idea of soldiers in perfect sync with each other. Okay. Okay. Because there is a scene where they're doing it later on like patrol and it is not it, cool. It's not cool. No, yeah. I know that shot. It's like the, they had an idea that they were going to do this all the time, right? And then something about that shot just does not work. Yeah. And I know the shot you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Gary Lee is up front. He spin stops in front of Griffin and greets him like an old friend. Yeah. It's been a long time, Gary Lee. <laughs> <laughs> the spin stop is so like I like the spin stop. Yeah. So so zazzy. Gary Lee, as we've talked about, is played by Christopher Collette. He only has a few credits. He's amazing. Yeah, he's in Sleepaway Camp, which is a classic slasher. A movie called Firstborn, also with Corey Haim in nineteen eighty six. So they'd been in a movie together before. Some TV movies kind of into the late nineties. He was in The Langoliers, which was a Stephen King adaptation miniseries that I remember okay. really liking when I was a kid. I've since seen clips of that, and it is terrible. <laughs> it's got some very early bad digital CGI monsters in it. And then a massive gap until 2018 when he was in one episode of The Purge TV show, which is oh. interesting considering this movie. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that show. I really like those movies. I've not, well, I like from two onwards, have not watched the show. We should watch that show. Really? I've only seen one and I found one kind of interesting. One is a low budget set in a single location, one house movie. Yeah. Two, three, four. I think there's more. Is there four? I don't know. They expand the world mm. and 
introduced Frank Grillo into them and they're yeah, like mad. fucking great. Like they're really good. He and his wife now run a Pilates studio in New York. <laughs> See, yeah. the way that they talk about him in the blockbuster guide and stuff, I thought that he must have been a bigger deal. He turned into yeah. a thing. He might have been a big – I only looked at his film credits. I don't know if he did theatre or something. Mm. So – and he people has a liked magnetism. him in other, in other I don't things. know what it is. He's, hey. he's good. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Gary Lee asked Griffin why he came back, and he's like, well, it's the coast that's warm. But Winkle has something to say to him. He wants to thank him, but he thanks him like a kid that's being told to say thank you. Yeah. We learned that – Griffin and Gary Lee were neighbours when they were kids. Griffin lost his parents a year ago. And then Gary Lee asked Griffin what he told the cops. Mm. Nothing. Gary Lee won't forget that. Him, Bullwinkle came up through the camps together. So Bullwinkle was very important to Gary Lee. And But anything Griffin needs, he he could just ask. He also... Can we can we not like question why he's called Bullwinkle as well? That's Anyone? a fun name. You reckon? Yeah. Uh, why do you think he's called Bullwinkle? No, I have no idea. It's just an odd name. Yeah, I think it's just so it's a memorable name. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Interesting. One of the other characters is called Bango. Is it ever clear to you why Bullwinkle is seemingly pissed off that he got saved? I can't get a read on Bullwinkle, hey. So what they're trying to do is obviously create somebody who is suspicious. It's like the undercover cop in the mob and there's always that one guy that doesn't yeah. think that he's legit, right? But Bullwinkle's character except should that, trust him. Except that... They decide to just, they decide not to make that an arc or a thing of suspicion. He just hates him from the beginning. Yeah. Which, for no for no reason. Yeah. Okay. So it's just bad screenwriting. Okay. It's just bad writing. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you'd think I like. I thought I'd missed something. No. It would almost be like when Bullwinkle sees him like, like later on and doing suspicious things. He should be heartbroken because he trusted him. Yeah, and that that's would why make he more comes sense. to confront him. Yeah, it could it could play like a betrayal, but then you'd also have the like a double betrayal because Gary Lee would also feel that way. So, like, I understand but you have that in the mob movies. There's the under under uh, boss guy who gets betrayed and he gets dealt with early, and yeah. like that's a cover that's a cover up. Yeah, yeah, and then the ultimate surprise of betrayal where he betrays the boss. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Gary Lee talks to Milty, gives him a rollerboy cross and tells him that he's under his protection now. Milty thinks they're the coolest thing in the world and yeah. Griffin tells him not to mess around with those guys. At home, they live behind speedbaggers. I don't think he works as speedbaggers. I think they just live speedbaggers like their landlord. Yeah, and they like help. Yeah. 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 Uh, Milty thinks that Griffin should ask Gary Lee to pay for the van and also be a rollerboy and show beats delivering pizzas. They live in a tent. And inside, Milty's worried that they might end up in the camps. Did you notice that the tent got bigger when they got inside it? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's hardest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the reality of trying to shoot inside a tent yeah. with a 35mm with a film camera in 1990. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> like, whatever. Griffin tells them that they just have to stick together, and Milty wants Griffin to admit how cool the roller boys are. <laughs> the next day, Griffin's delivering pizza on a bike now. Pinky mm. tells him that he owes him five years. Melty. Indentured servitude. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> in this world, nobody's paying attention. Yeah. Milty rolls up in a van with a roller boy. He went to Gary Lee on his own. Pinky is thrilled. Mm. Yeah. Griffin is not. The high five. Milty and Pinky high five. Yeah. Yeah, I wish Pinky was in the movie more. I wish, I wish Milton and Pinky had more to do with I each would, other. Yeah. I would watch a movie that is just Corey Haim working at Pinky's Pizzazz. Yeah, true, but <laughs> just interacting going on, with people. Going on like deliveries and, and shit. And adventures with Pinky. That would be hilarious. I really like Pinky. Yeah. At the pier, we hear a radio talking about 
Americans working illegally in Mexico being returned to San Diego by the thousands. Yeah. Casey rolls up on Griffin and hits him up for some mist. He has no idea what she's talking about. And she tells him that everybody knows about him. Um, he tells her that everybody's wrong. That should have been the first suspicious thing that like he, he should have realized about well, her, you know, she's make, she's making an assumption with terrible Intel. She is a, she's an undercover cop as we will find out yeah. who has terrible information already. But like, if someone comes to you and asks you that question and you're like, oh, everyone knows about you. And you're like, I'm not doing that. Like you're super sus right now. That's got to be your it's first total like, how do you do fellow kids? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Behavior. But Corey does act for, cause that, that idea that people think he's a roller boy before he's a roller boy comes mm. up a couple of times and he agrees that people assume that he is. When, that, when does it come up? It, a couple of other people say things to him, or ma- and he makes. So just like he should be a roller boy. People are making assumptions because he saved the roller boy in the, in the. Oh, house. the cops! Sure, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And then he is close with Gary Lee. Yeah, the, they gave him a van. Yep, yep, yep. So are you a roller boy, or are you just like really good friends with roller boys? Yeah, and also right. escape good. Fair. When she, when I say she has bad intel, it's a bit like she just assumes that he can yeah. get her missed. Right. Still sus. On TV, Harvard has been moved brick by brick to Hiroshima, Japan. Yeah, what the that fuck? was ridiculous. Because they bought it. That's ridiculous. Even if that was okay, you bought Harvard. They're not going to physically buy the buildings that, that are Harvard. Happened. That has fully happened. London to Bridge. Places. Yeah. Yeah, but it's Harvard. It's not London Bridge. True, but <laughs> think about how people worship Harvard back in the day. I mean, they still We're worship still Harvard, but I don't I'm think saying, that they I'm were I'm saying today, like, it's there back in the day. Sorry, yeah. got yeah, confused there for a second. Yeah. But it's just a building. Well, we find yeah. out that the other big ten are talking about moving to other countries too. <laughs> also, Harvard is, like, many buildings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so interesting. Also, the way that they shot that, they just shot in front of a building that looks vaguely like Harvard. Yeah, and, just a and, red brick. <laughs> and put Japanese actors in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Griffin flips off the TV mad. There aren't going to be any colleges left by the time that he gets any money together. Speedbagger remembers when they paid for you to go to college and he tells Griffin that he needs to be ready for a future because the future has him in his sights. Bullwinkle and a very, very Aryan looking roller boy blade in to extort Speedbagger. The Aryan looking guy is Bango. Bango! Played by Mark Pellegrino. Yeah. Do you know that guy? No. You should. He shows up all over the place. Like as one of Jackie Treehorn's thugs in Big Lebowski. <gasps> amazing. Amazing. Clearly not blonde in that movie because I would have recognized him. Yep. He's also Lucifer in Supernatural, if that's your jam. Oh, it's not my jam. It's not my jam either. The first season when it was like Monster of the Week, it was my jam. Yeah, um, I agree. Kira, here's Jacob in Lost. Do you have any idea how badly I want to kill you? Yes. One of these days, sooner or later, we're going to find a loophole, my friend. Well, when you do, I'll be right here. Always nice talking to you, Jacob. Nice talking to you, too. What? Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> In the very, towards the very end of Lost, when we see the hu- human that is Jacob. Jacob. He's huh? Yep. Fuck, I didn't watch enough. No, you didn't watch enough. Weird. Weird. We're not going to get into it. He's Deputy Standall in 13 Reasons Why. <laughs> okay. Has seen that. So he's 
kept it up to today. He is Jacob Seed in Far Cry 5, which is my favorite Far Cry game. Oh, that's mad. Is that the reverend dude? Yeah. Yeah, the, mad. The, well, the, the, yeah, the cult leader that looks like a, a Brooklyn yeah. uh, mustard aficionado. <laughs> He also okay. shows up in Fatal Beauty, which I keep saying, I keep on mentioning that movie. It's a Whoopi Goldberg movie we will get to. He's in Death Wish 4. Mad. He's in a movie called No Holds Barred. He's in Lethal Weapon 3. Oh. He's in The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Huh. National Treasure. He's one of the cops in National Treasure. Hectic. Who is he in The Lost World? I don't know. Okay. And the upcoming... Beverly Hills Cop, <gasps> Axel Foley. Oh my the, God. The fuck? Why is every actor in this movie? Fuck yeah. Because because they know how to remake a 90s movie. Just get a it's bunch of It's not a remake. It's a sequel. Sequel. You know, it's Eddie basically a remake though. If they're doing a modern version of it, it's tech, it's kind of like Murphy. a remake. Yeah. Back. Griffin tries to stop them and Bango grabs him. Bullwinkle intervenes because it's him, but only for him. Speedbagger mm. wants to know if they are friends of his. Griffin says, no way. Speedbagger says, roller boys ain't nothing new. Roller boys ain't nothing new. It's new chorus from the old chorus. And I know the next verse. Mm. Say a prayer, boy, because it's coming soon. At a roller boy party at an amusement park pavilion with a carousel. It's very Pinocchio, very Lost Boys. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's not accidental. Oh my God, it is. Even Thingo's... Costume, even her costume in this one is very Pinocchio. Yeah. Holy shit. Nine Inch Nails had like a whole plays. This is the first time I'd ever heard Nine Inch Nails in a movie. Fuck yeah. It was such a good time. Yeah, there's there's music in this that is very much your jam. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I ran my hands through Trent Reznor's hair once. It was very greasy. My God, you're greasy. <laughs> Griffin arrives. <laughs> Not even going to tell you the rest of that story. <laughs> I assume it was at a concert. Yeah, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I snuck into his house. We'll never know. <laughs> While he was sleeping. Griffin arrives and they let him in because everybody knows he's buds with Gary Lee. Yeah. yeah it's Gary Lee's the guy at the fr- front door. He's like, of course you're on the list, Griffo. Yeah, come yeah, on, come on, on in. Like he knows him. Yeah. Like, We've never seen you Griffo. before. <laughs> it's Gary Lee's birthday and it's pretty decadent. There's a lot of booze and available women. There is a Gary Lee cake. Yeah, I cake. love that. The cake was pretty funny. <laughs> He's sitting on a fucking throne to receive his presents. Yeah. It actually looks like Santa chair. A year's worth of miniature golf. What a gift. A small child is giving that to him. And he goes, what does he say? Does he say that's neato or something like that? Yeah. He uses real old lang- language. No, that's swell. That's, I really appreciated I mean, I it. The swell. I use the word swell. Yeah, but you make oh, choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a topless mermaid. It's yep. hard to believe that mini golf... Is something that's happening in this community? Well, if rollerblading is in a way, in a way where you would pay for it, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's one of their investments. There are (laughs) there are camps full of people who can't live anywhere, and they're doing putt putt. But (laughs) 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 they're doing putt putt. (laughs) Okay, well played. Two older women are wrestling in a kiddie ball. I mean, if I'm Milton, I'm sitting there too. Milty is there cheering them along with the roller boys. Yeah, Bango is with Casey trying to convince her to get into a jacuzzi naked and Griffin comes over and tells them to enjoy themselves. Mm. She watches them go. Griff finds Milty and wants to leave. Gary Lee comes over and asks him how he likes the new van. Tells him he doesn't have to keep delivering pizza. He could be a roller boy. <laughs> Griffin's like, eh. No, thank you. Yeah. What's the matter with you, Griffin? Don't you like us? Yeah. This is the only time where I was Gary like- Gary Lee's really needy. <laughs> yeah. This is the only scene where Gary Lee didn't have his magnetism. But Milty fucking did. <laughs> Griffin just like walks away without yeah. answering. 
By the way, he leaves without Milty. He leaves Milty behind. Yeah. Right? Milty can take care of himself. Can he? He definitely, yeah. this, definitely cannot. Yeah, but at this point in the movie, you think he can. <laughs> yeah, he's also got the hands-off style of parenting. He's like, I'm going to let you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be a bad choice. Free range. Yeah. Uh, Casey follows him out, so everyone's wrong about you, huh? No one's wrong about you. <laughs> he kisses her. Yeah, this was weird. He kisses her and then goes to walk away. She asks him again, follows him, and hits him up. Do you have any you-know-what? Maybe. He kisses her and then takes off her underwear. Yep. You'll do anything for it, won't you? And then he leaves, giving her back her underwear. All right. This is a fucked up scene. First of all, because he goes from, this is a chick who just wants drugs. In, in his mind, this is a girl who just wants drugs from him. And he's like, fuck it. Let's make out. And then- So he takes advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And then 100%. And then he goes to not just like kissing. They are full on. Like this is just a movie choice, an it's, odd choice. There's a lot of time. It's a f- it is fucking wet. Um, <laughs> it is really graphic kissing. And then he takes it a step further to take off her underwear. And he's making a choice about taking advantage of a drug dealer. But no, a he's not doing addict. that drug addict. He's teaching her a lesson. That's what he's doing. He is teaching this woman a lesson about doing drugs and doing anything for him. Okay, yeah, she's a drunkie. Know your fucking place, dude. And, like, you've completely just violated her just as much as drug dealers have. Like, it's fucked up, this scene. Yeah. This movie's wild. Yeah. It did seem like a weird choice This movie is just weird choices. Yeah. Like, I I understood what he was doing and why, but- it didn't seem to match what his character had been like up until that moment. Yeah, again, it's the writing. What we want to yeah. do is make them antagonistic with each other to begin with so that later we can have a thing yeah. when they are no longer antagonistic. But we don't know how to do that. Even just the when he is, even is just when he kissed her the first time, I was like, wait, what the fuck? What are you doing? He could have now, just said you would do anything for it, wouldn't you, after kissing her? Yeah. That's all. Now, I am very pro- writer on this podcast i don't think writers ever get enough credit for what they mm. for what they do having said that it is very clear that Catherine bigelow <laughs> the director of point break is very responsible for how good that movie is <laughs> yeah well said well said and can i just say look i don't want to say that anything's taboo to write about no not either. at all and you can write scenes where anything happens but this had no just, motivation. Yeah, this that's had the thing. No, like, like I think that context. was the issue. It's like uh, it's that, that scene happening with a different having having a different character do that would have made more sense in a like in terms of like the style of person that is doing that. Yeah, because Corey's character did not. At this point, he's kind of like a sweet guy. Doesn't want to get involved. Yeah, right? or like, or so like, do what they do in some like scenes. A weird where heel like, turn for like three seconds, and then he's back. Do something like, that implies that you're going to have sex. I think that you know what I mean. Don't take her underwear off. I think that there is a disconnect, and it's weird because the writer of the the director of this movie is the writing partner of the writer of this movie. I think there's a disconnect between the writing and the directing as well. Mm. I think that. That might have been the script. It might not have been the script. We're never going to know. I'm never going to be able to find that screenplay unless, you know, somebody wants to send it to me. <laughs> I think that the director is trying to make it sexy without mm. thinking about the text. Mm. They're trying to make the kiss sexy because it's our two hot young stars making out. And the taking, See, the, under- and the, taking the underwear off is is meant to be, you know, provocative and... Two things on that, but the text doesn't support the, the what the, the the imagery in the scene and the directing direction and the blocking. Hundred percent. Two things on that. Now I feel weird because you just made me realize it was probably the director that asked them to actually kiss and like sell the kiss. 
Yeah, I'm sure that they talked about it. And secondly, like, oh, I fucking forgot it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Griffin is skating through a red light district that seems to be made of tents and seems to be in the middle of the street. Being watched by two older guys dressed like 1950s gangsters. Yeah, these guys are fucking hilarious. I so don't care what you say. I'm not a fan of these guys. <laughs> okay. They stop the roller pod and banter. <laughs> he looks kind of small. And they meant to throw the small ones back. <laughs> he pushes. Yeah, it's the guys that. They're that, so stylized though. I love it. He pushes past them and bolts, blades away, and they chase him. And he's almost clear when he's grabbed by the detective from the mist house, Jarowski. At the cop shop, Griffin yells that those two dudes never told him that they were cops. They, did fa- they in fact, did not. Mm. Jarowski takes him into his office, tells him that there's a ga- he's, got a, he's got a gang war on his hands. The roller boys hit the B-13 as in revenge for the Mist House fire. Killed a bunch of them. He hears Gary Lee and Griffin go way back. Yeah. Griffin denies them being friends. They just grew up together. He was just the kid that lives ne- lived next door to me. So just so And he know- moved away when he was eight. Just so you know, my read at this point, because I didn't realize that the detectives were the one who blew up the drug house, uh-huh. uh, my read is that they're not necessarily corrupt, but they're not by the book cops. And like, they're just cops. They're the responsible end. for the gang war in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of are. Holy fuck. Not that kind of are. They are. They are. Yes. <laughs> Jowowski presses. How do you pay for the van? Is he on salary yet? What about Milty? The roller boys will chew up his baby white ass. <laughs> they use a fleet of miners to move the mist around. Milty's perfect. Tells him he's going to start misting. They already got his mind. What is Griffin going to do about it? Wake the fuck up, Ramrod. Mm, Ramrod. Where is that coming from? That's just an old phrase. Yeah, just okay. an old phrase. That I thought it might have been something to do with, like, you know, have some history to it. No. Okay. Griffin thinks they're just another gang. Cities follow them. No, no, no. Roller boys own buildings, factories, and they've got foreign investments. And a year or two, God knows what. Jurowski needs someone on the inside. We then cut to a TV of them being watched as Griffin, as we see Griffin kind of leave and storm out. On the TV, it's playback. Jurowski's talking to Casey, asking if she thinks he's their boy because she's an undercover cop. Mm. She thinks he's a washout. Yeah. Griffin's out bleeding near a roller boy mural that'll come back later. It says the future is ours. A roller boy on patrol asks him, when are you going to join up? Yeah. There's some re- weird casual interactions with ro- with roller boys. You know what I mean? Like some of them seem so innocuous and just normal people and others are like menacing, terrible people. I mean, that's true of most kind of gangs like that in the sense that like the people who are further up the chain are going to be menacing and, and rah, rah, rah. And then there are going to be others that just- on patrol. That just joined the gang because they can skate and they need food. Because it gives them food and yeah, salary. Okay, fair. And, and they are more likely to just go, no economy. hey, dude, yeah, you okay. a roller boy yet? Yeah. Keep seeing you around. <laughs> <laughs> Heard your name a bunch. So you at the parties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we watch him watch Milty dealing mist out the front of a diner that the roller boys hang out at. Yeah, you'd step in earlier though, right? He does confront him and Milty has a wad of cash. The roller boys are racist. What about Speedbagger? Yeah, what about Speedbagger? Pickup truck rolls past. The B-13 is getting revenge. They unload on the roller boys hanging out. Gunfight ensues. Bango's just like murking people left and right. Yeah. Losses on both sides. The B-13 is end up chasing Griffin and Milty. Can, can we just mm-hmm. have a chat about like, is this meant to be a drive-by that they yeah. just stop at? Well, it's, it's a surprise attack. Okay. Because it's, it's very strange. It's an ambush. Like, my, in my mind, I was like, aren't they meant to keep driving? Probably. But then the movie has to happen, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Griffin helps Milty get away, but he ends up cornered by B-13ers who are about to kill him when Bullwinkle kills them. Mm-hmm. Laughing. He's having a nice time. 
Guess we're even Stephen now, Griff. He says it in a way that I still couldn't get a read on him at this point. Like I was like, is this guy psychotic or is he happy to protect Griff? Don't think, or- don't think Bullwinkle's playing with a full deck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because the way he laughs. It, yeah, he is kind of fucked up. But, yeah. I mean, the other kid is more fucked up at this point. Melty is thrilled that Bullwinkle, Bullwinkle saved the day and starts kicking a dead body for fun. Yep. I think that... Melty might be a little psycho before what happens happens. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah he's he's an interesting character. I mean, let's face it though. The other kids, the older kids have had their childhood pre-crash. Mm-hmm. Melty seems to be having his childhood post-crash. Yeah, well, so he doesn't know another world. He exactly. doesn't know how to read a map. Exactly. Bango tells him they have to jam and Melty goes with the roller boys while Griffin just stares at the dead bodies. Cut to Griffin making a deal with the cops. Yeah. If he goes down, Milty will be taken out of the city and given an education. Jaworski's like, it's nuts. I can't afford uniforms. Yeah. Griff knows he's the only one that can get in. So Jaworski agrees to terms. Something's been bothering him. This is Jurassic, the slogan, Day of the Rope. What does it mean? Griffin's like, everyone knows that that's the day that they hang their enemies. At the Rollerboys jam pad, we hear a radio say that the US government has been unable to meet its payroll in DC and angry troops are camped near the Washington Monument. Yeah. And there has been rioting and looting. Inside, Borka's reading a newspaper with the headline, Germany buys Poland. Oh my God. I did not catch that. So it's not just America. There is a very heavy... Uh, Pollock reference previously as well by the role. Well, Jurowski's a Pollock yeah. cop, right? Yeah. Polish cop, yeah. Do you guys notice the suit of armor? No. The set dressing in yeah. here? The there set dressing a- from even the outside building, like it's just clearly a mansion that they've had access to, but yeah. they've slapped a no trespassing sign. It, they've done so much with so little. There's a suit of armor with a red cape that has a neon staff and halo behind <laughs> them in this scene. Oof. Okay. It is such a choice. It's the future. Yeah. Okay. Griff has a meeting with Carrie. What about the TVs on on legs yeah, here? There's that, there's yeah, there's a lot of that too. And did you notice what the pot, the plants are all in? No. They're in, uh, I think, kegs or like random uh, factory barrels that right. have been cut into points. Well, right. Because yeah. they don't have vases. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking mad. Griff has a meeting with Gary Lee. But he was like, I thought you hated us. Fair question. Yeah. He's too smart for his character at the moment. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, we find out that Gary Lee is buying guns from a Japanese businessman, Naboro. Gary wants more guns, mm. and Naboro tells him to try out the ones he's got first. Yeah. To see how you do with the guns that I've Seems just Seems like you. a bad business deal. Gary Lee is buying back America. Mm. Naboro's like, who would want it? Yep. And then Gary Lee shows off the guns that he's just bought to Griff. It's vintage stuff so that they can use modern day guns. Yeah. <laughs> Once used by the Israelis when they were hired to mop up Northern Ireland. Oh my God, I didn't hear that. Holy shit. I cannot begin to even start to unwrap that sentence. Yeah, that yeah. is a fucking oh, no, let's not get geopolitical shitstorm. Yeah. They send in the Israelis. But one call wants an answer to his question. Why did Griffin change his mind about them? Griff sprays bullets to some TVs and then points the gun at Bullwinkle and says, Never changed my mind about you. Yeah. Same old Griffin. Yeah. Gary Lee excuses Bullwinkle. He just laughs it off. He's terribly loyal, just not very sophisticated. <laughs> they talk about Griff's parents' deaths in a, in a traffic accident. It's implied that Griff's dad was an alcoholic and was drunk behind the wheel yep. and it was his fault. Gary Lee doesn't mind alcohol so much, but nobody in his group uses the mist. Mm. He's very strict on this. They have to remain pure. Yeah. 
Griffin asks why they sell it then, and, and Gary Lee, as he strokes his iguana, yeah. <laughs> tells him it's just for now, and that some people aren't worth saving. They're just using it to build their resources. Mm. Um, What's with villains and weird pets? <laughs> strokes his iguana. Yeah. yeah. Also, that iguana was running away at the gunfire. <laughs> also, we see the TVs explode. And then after this, there are no exploded TVs. Oh, I love that. I miss that. <laughs> because they so probably good. shot it at the end when they were done with the set. Yes. Yeah. So good. Gary Lee is just like him. His parents let him down too. He started the Roller Boys in the camps and he has a family now because it's all about family. We find out that his children, they made Fast themselves- Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Fast and the Roller Boys. <laughs> we find out they made themselves blood brothers as kids. Lucky they didn't get tetanus. Yeah. It's more serious now. Once in, never out. He hates betrayers. Yeah, okay. So narratively, do we feel like- <laughs> Wait, wait. Wait a second. Okay. Griff's response to that is, yeah, sounds good to me. Hey, uh, what's the day of the rope? <laughs> yeah, that is so bad. <laughs> that is so bad. Oh, no. Like, it's your first day. First thing he says after the meeting. <laughs> He's not even officially a roller boy yet. Gary Lee responds to the day that they get even. You were gonna you were gonna say? So narratively, the big bad guy having a chat about being a betrayer. Do we feel like it's way too early for that to happen? I think it's just setting the stakes. I think it's the screenwriter setting the stakes. I don't think Gary Lee has any suspicions. Yeah, He's just making right. it clear that once you join the roller boys, you are a fucking roller boy. Because like in my mind, there's two reasons to have the betrayer chat. There's there's suspicions. You know what I mean? And like, you've been doing some sus things. So we're going to have a talk and that's like laying some, like some nerves down into the audience or it's to be menacing. It's, I think it's the exposition. Yeah. It just doesn't come across as, it doesn't do anything for me in, in he the also, he's, He also knows Griffin and knows that Griffin has not joined until now. Yeah. And so, so, his, it is true. Griffin changed his mind clearly. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's more just like a making sure he understands that. If you're joining, you're joining. You're not. You can't join for six months and then go. Actually, no, I want to yeah. go back to my regular life. Uh, fair in in world that makes sense. I, I'm just more kind of making the point that I think that the choices in this movie throughout, and this is a good example where there's not choices narratively made about the audience. Nothing in this film does anything for the audience. It's just choices about this world. I and think, I don't think the audience was considered in writing think, this at all. Well, that's what I'm saying is I think that there are just inconsistencies that are a function of not particularly great writing. Yeah. And I don't, I hate saying someone's not a great writer. Cause like, who am I to say that? You know what I mean? But like, mm. this just seems like there's no concept of movie Not making besides a structure that Listen, starts and ends. We don't watch a lot of well-written movies. Yeah, we've, read, we've watched some well-written movies, but that's not what's, for me, That sometimes doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah. it's not about that. Like, Roller Boys for me is about just wild the, choices. Wild it's about yeah. wild choices. Okay. It's about deciding that you're going to graft a story about a dystopian future with white supremacy. <laughs> Onto fucking rollerblades. Yeah. Like, right, it's right. that choice. Like, that's why before this movie became shockingly relevant again, that's why I inflicted it on people. Yeah. Because it's, okay. it's a fucking rollerblading movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right? Fair, fair, fair. The, the function that makes the gang in this movie that are going to overtake the world cool is rollerblading. <laughs> yeah. It's almost, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost one of those movies that is so, so, so fucking bad 
that it is good. Because it's and wildly I say almost. It's wildly entertaining. Now, some of that has been rubbed off. Yeah. But that's not the movie's fault. <laughs> yeah, okay. Am I a roller boy now? <laughs> Griffin asks. We cut away, but I wonder if we followed up. It's like, is the blading mandatory? Can I use a unicycle? That's or all, that's something as well. Like, do you have to be a rollerblader? Yeah. What that's happens, interesting. What happens if you're like a hardcore fan of white supremacy, but you cannot blade? What if you're <laughs> just good at making drugs? Some sort drugs? of rollerblading school, I'm sure. Yeah. And they Could find you blade? Blade Academy. Oh, fuck no. Absolutely not. Oh. We no, find no, out that they I'm have- barely, I'm a wannabe skateboarder who oh. skated that cannot skate. Right. It is not my skill set. <laughs> I knew you weren't like great at it because you would have. I would have known that by now. But I just wasn't sure whether or not blading was a phase you went through or not. My skateboarding skills set revolved entirely around being able to go, to being able to not fall off going down a hill because of balance, and that comes from martial arts, and not from a skating ability of any, hey, of any kind. Depending on the speed and the smoothness of the road, that's a very difficult thing to do. I have scars because of the <laughs> lack of smoothness of a road. Same. <laughs> Cut to. Griffin and some of the other recruits are being towed. We call that skitching yes. behind a van. There was a video game called Skitching that, like, I thought the graphics were like the most realistic thing that I'd ever seen. It's like pre PlayStation. There's a video game based around skitching. Skitching, yeah, where you have to like skitch behind it. You pick up speed by by yeah. If and you say skitching enough, it's the weirdest it's, word. It, yeah, it's it's a 32 bit <laughs> like fucking Sega. <laughs> Sega game that looks horrendous, but back then I was like, this is the most realistic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm sure that I'll find an ad and cut it in. Outlaw, inline skating races in 12 different cities across North America. Races are not sanctioned by anybody, so it's no holes barred racing. Use the traffic, grab onto car bumpers for a free ride, or slingshot through traffic to get ahead of the pack. Stunt jumps during the race will earn you extra cash. But watch out, the competition is rough and will stop at nothing to collect the prize money. Get radical in Skitchin from Electronic Arts. Skitchin! Gary Lee explains, I have to make it across the shipyard. It's Naboro's shipyard. This is fucking hilarious. Naboro says they have the best security in town. They're going to steal a security pass and make it to the other side of the yard. Enjoy themselves. Be creative. But remember, only the first person across gets a ride home. Okay. Okay. So first of all, be creative. Oh, and love that. Wait, Milty's in the van because reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that they say to be creative and that's just like, hey, be creative with your race here. But second of all, so not only do you need to be a rollerblader, but you need to be the top of the class for your induction group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're not just taking rollerbladers. You need to like... You need to win. Well, I'm not sure that this is like standard operating procedure for roller boys. <laughs> as we will talk about as the scene goes on, they are launched from the back of the van. And mm. as they cross the gates, one of the other guys is just shot and killed instantly. Yep. So there's this is rollerblades like versus machine guns. Roaming, so, roaming searchlights. And there's a computer voice that's letting us know that, that you are entering a restricted area. This voice <laughs> goes on through the whole scene to make it futuristic. The acting of the uh, guards here where they're already holding machine guns. Guns, but, but then they have to dodge out of the way. They're just very surprised. They're like, why not just tackle these people that are just rollerblading? Surely <laughs> just like turn around and shoot instead of going, whoa, okay, and jumping they, out of they the way. They leave their gate open and they don't have a way to stop vehicles. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking wild. Griffin and the other guy push at each other. The voice continues, all the gates are sealed. You cannot escape. <laughs> <laughs> They're chased by guys in trucks yep. and have to avoid more gunfire. Griffin jumps a truck from he the does. ground, standing. Yep. 
and then skates between some containers. He beats a motorbike he gets in a speed yeah, race. He's chased by a guard on a motorcycle. The guy on the motorcycle just falls over for no reason. Yeah. He just lays the bike down because that's what the scene was meant to happen in the scene. Yeah. We have seen some good stunt work in this in, in our movies that we have watched. This is not one of I mean, those that movies. guy didn't have much to do. Give the guy a reason to fall off the bike. <laughs> Turn to corner fast, Ken. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Griff takes a security badge off a woman. Yeah. Puts yeah. his hand up against the wall while she's leaning up against it and like tunes her and takes a badge. Yeah. Nice security yeah. you have here. So they end up racing with the other guy to get to the van and then Bango uses an RPG to blow up the fence so that Griff and the other guy can jump through it. A chain link fence. He uses an RPG. No, don't question it. <laughs> the other guy trips and falls behind <laughs> because, of course, he does. Griff yeah. makes it to the van, and then Gary Lee just casually shoots the other guy. He was hoping Griff would win. Yeah. The back of the van's filled with crates of weapons, the guns that Nabora did not want to shoot to yeah. sell them. So, so you were a virgin. If if Griffin hadn't won, if if the other if he had been the one that fell over and the other guy got in the van, was it was Milty is in the van. Would they have shot Griffin? <laughs> yes. I Maybe. hope so. I hope that's a parallel That's what I movie. mean about like, bang, That's what over. I mean. So this scene exists to to characterise Gary Lee as being a killer, right? Yeah. But there is no thought about what that means beyond the plot mechanics of that. I honestly think the little bit of thought that is put into uh, uh, our hero winning is because he's the best. He's also the best, yeah. Which and, doesn't fucking matter. He but it's be also like not shown. Best. It's also not shown in I mean, this movie that he's fun. the best. You we know what watch, I mean? We're going to watch a better rollerblade movie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Good. He gives him the badge and Gary Lee just throws it away. He's one of them now. Griffin is initiated into the Roller Boys. Mm. This shit is fucking wild. He skates Yo. out into the bowl where the mural was that we saw earlier and it's lit up by fire barrels and all the Roller Boys are chanting, the future is ours, day of the rope, the Roller Boys rule, mm. day right. of the rope. We see cutaways. Yeah, I remembered the future is ours part. We see cutaways of the Roller Boy youth chanting as well. Yeah, all with their uh, double-fisted With a double-fisted salute, yeah. As he reaches the front, Gary cuts them off and starts a chant for Griffin, their newest brother. Griffin is now the dragon. His rage is the breath of the dragon, and his fire shall consume the infestation there's, that has crippled America. There's one other group that has dragons involved in it that's all about White, white uniforms. Yeah, and, right. yeah like, I forget uh, what that it is. It also has like grand wizards. Yeah. Yeah. And his fire shall consume the infestation that has crippled America. If the white army is to fulfill its divine purpose, Fuck. We, must, we must have a homeland. Those who would deny us are the enemy and they shall perish. We Holy are your strength. Shit. We are your warriors. The future is ours. In the crowd, Milty is all in. They chant, Even start chanting actual again. Nazis shown in films don't get to have this kind of <laughs> level of like. They chant again and Griffin joins in. They're not given this much of a platform, you know? This movie's wild. This is this is wild. I only just am realizing how hard they go in on it. Here comes the terrible shot of them blading in formation. Yes. Because they're not doing the flying V. They're Casey doing, watches as they come past. Yeah. Again, on the radio. And they're not doing their arms in, in fucking time as well. No, they're the out scene. of sync with yeah. each other, which, you know, maybe they had a late night. Yeah. On the radio, we hear that Gary Lee, through his lawyers, has asked the mayor for an apology for calling him a gangzar. <laughs> Griff and Bango shake down Pinky. Griff is already living the gimmick. Yeah. In this scene, are we thinking that he's 
feeling bad about having to do this because he fucking actually smiles before he goes That's in. That's what I mean. He's living the gimmick. Like he's yeah. like he's in it. He's like abusing his old boss. Now, no, his boss has treated him like pretty shittily before. So maybe yeah. it's a little bit of like, you know, revenge against an ex-employer. Yeah. But yeah, we get this more march skating across the Venice canals, which has been used since Hunter Movies, Nightmare on Elm Street, Californication uses it. You see them all over the place. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I know where that is. Yeah. Griff serves food to kids. So we see that that's another way that they're getting to people is that they're, comic books. Is they're feeding people. Yeah. Bango's hanging out, handing out Rollerboy comic books. Got to get them while they're young, Griff. Yeah. Speedbagger sees Griffin in uniform. Griffin's wearing like Rollerboy endorsed sunglasses, I yeah. guess. He takes them off and Speedbagger tells him to leave them on. He knows what hate looks like. Oh, leave them on, boy. I know what hate looks like. Yeah. Good old speed bagger. Yeah. Yeah. I also this was confused by that line. Just, we're getting to the bad bit. Yeah. We're getting to the bad, 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 yeah. bad, bad. But you love this movie. You fought for I this movie for so long. I didn't remember what it was about, and I stand by Corey Hayman on Rollerblades is a fun time. <laughs> That's all I ever said. Corey Hayman on Rollerblades is a good time. That's why we should watch this movie, and it's still true. I just realised how little we are into this movie and how much there is still more to go. (laughs) Are we even at the halfway mark? Yeah, probably. Okay. It also has like a – I think this movie has like a really long first act. Yeah, it does. I think the first act runs a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, in a cowboy outfit for some reason, skates up to Griffin, and they kind of chase each other around. Now, I thought from looking at the back of this thing that there were rival gangs in different <laughs> outfits and that Casey was you part just, of the cowgirl every, one. Every, every week you're just pitching like, <laughs> what if this movie was The Warriors? <laughs> But like dead set, I thought that's what it was. I thought there was like a star-crossed love between two gang members. Nope, Did that you think is not was a thing. Roll- Romeo and Juliet and Rollerblades, kinda, little bit. Because I can find that movie. <laughs> but yeah, nope, that's not a thing. Well, we already watched Thrashing. Yeah, yeah. In a van, the two older cops are watching them and complaining that he's getting rich on the Rollerboys payroll, and will probably own a Jag before they even make a bust. Mm. Casey pulls her badge on him, reveals that she's a cop. He doesn't think it's real. <laughs> and then he asks her how old she is, which is a very legitimate question. Does he? Yes, he does. When he sees the badge, believes that she's a cop, he goes, how old are you? I think he says that you're too young to be a cop. No, no. he asks how old you are because I wrote it down. And I was like, that is a good question. Okay, I don't remember. Because, like, if she's a cop, and he's like yep. undercover as a cop. She should surely not be a child like he is. She wants him to get into the Miss House. And he's like, that's crazy. They treat it like it's a religion. I'm not going to get in there. Gary Lee pulls up honking. I think he's in a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Casey makes out with him, gives him her address to make it look real. And Gary Lee tells him that when he's on patrol, he's on patrol. Mm. He asks if Griff has had her yet. Well, we better make you some money when he says no. Whoa. Yep. They ride and Gary Lee talks. The rolls is like so close to the ground, right? When Gary Lee drives up. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we do the the hood shot of them driving, it is so high up. <laughs> it's on a low loader. It makes them look like they are in an SUV. <laughs> yes, I didn't even notice. Riding protection behind them is Bullwinkle sitting in the window of a blue Corvette. Yeah. We find out that Casey's brother was a roller boy, that he died fighting. He loved the course so much he wanted to be buried in his roller coat. Yeah, that's wild. They talk about Gary Lee's plans. Money's rolling in. They have a joint venture on a power plant, lots of real estate, numerous business ventures, bonds, utilities. He believes in America, to quote the Godfather. Mm. By the side of the road, there are some teen boys doing the roller boy salute as they pass by. Griff wants to know where they're going. 
Gary Lee's taking Griff to heaven. <laughs> They're in a heavily guarded old Navy yard that looks a hell of a lot like Nabora's place. Mm, <laughs> I thought that. I thought they took it over. It might be the same location. No, Gary Lee bought it for almost nothing. It even came with some ships. I'm going to learn how to sail them and then deliver things all over the world with them. He <laughs> <laughs> asked Griff if he wants to go to university. They can send him. Gary Lee needs smart guys like him. And they go way back. And Griff's like, I can still kick your ass bleeding. And of course they race. Yeah. He's just having a nice time with his old right friend. Yeah. This is so out of place for this part of the movie. It's a reconnecting. I know, but they should have done it earlier. Yeah. You could have had that like them earlier, like reforging a bond through blading. Yeah. yeah. And then him being conflicted. Cause it's like, Oh, my friend's racist and dealing drugs. No. In a warehouse. He's heaven. It's just a silver airstream. That's their <laughs> yeah. I love that they have this whole industrial complex and they're just making drugs in this small airstream. Well, they can print it all that's this for security reasons. Uh. So there's one man per shift, three shifts a day, seven days a week. This is a prototype. And by the end of the year, he's going to have 20 more of them. Security is so, ri- so rigid that only Gary Lee can open the door. That sounds One crazy. way in, one way out. He opens the door, but we call exits. They go in. Bango, who is starting his shift, gives him a little tour, pushes him through in an office chair. I like that he sits him down and pushes him through. In an- <laughs> I love that. I love that Bango comes in and goes, can I give him the tour of this Airstream that he can see the entire it's space of? It's fun. We find out that the Chinese engineered mist to pacify their population. Wow. Leaving that alone. Gary yeah. Lee paid a fortune for the franchise. Bango explains the process. And we find out that if the cops show up, there's Chekhov's acid system that will destroy everything in the lab. No muss, no fuss. Their attorney can deal with the rest. Yeah, I kind of love that detail. Yeah, Gary Lee's going to teach him the business so that one day he can work in the lab and make big money. But for now, he's just going to patrol the perimeter. I love how he says, you get a better pension. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He grabs a handful of cash. It's American dollars and gives it to Griff. It's his first week's salary. That should pry that honey's legs open. Oh, my God. Yes. Fucking hell. (laughs) Do you think that Gary Lee has complicated relationships with women? I feel like Gary Lee is fucked. (laughs) You think? Like so much of his dialogue is fucked. At Speedbaggers, Grift has bought an RV. That's way better than their old crappy tent. He gives Speedbagger a gift, but he won't take it. He tells Griff that he should park elsewhere. Yeah. Inside the RV. You literally are working for a racist organization and I'm black. Perhaps leave. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it's time for you to not squat on my uh, property. (laughs) It's like he rolled up to his black neighbor's place wearing a KKK hood and goes, hey, I got a gift for you. And then ask them for a favor. Yeah. Yeah. Can you help me out? Yeah. Literally. Inside the RV, Milty is high as shit on missed no no did not see that coming did you see the bong yeah i did so it's a bong but it's got a Face like a mask surgical on mask on the end of it so that you can <laughs> inhale the mist and it's like production design a plus no production design was stoned the day that they made that. Anyway, oh there. fuck we didn't make how you take drugs we've shown it going fuck. through like LED lights before how are we going to do Milton doing it I'll just, oh, just put it. a face mask on my it. bong tape here. it on quick 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 <laughs> they're coming <laughs> Kira how you doing over there sweetie I'm good <laughs> the, Corey Hame on rollerblades is a good time how's the pregnancy <laughs> treating you it's fine you're tired yeah, yeah. Corey Hame on rollerblades is a good time okay <laughs> Griff goes to Casey's place, the uh, older cops. I'm going to call them the Keystone cops from now on, outside of the van. Oh, yeah. These guys are buckled. Yeah. She asks him if he's okay and he and asks him to come in. 
he unloads on her about his brother and tells her phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Brody. Seriously. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Continue. He emotionally unloads on her about his brother yep. and tells her it's all there, more than enough to put them away. But she needs him to get into the kitchen so they can't acid the evidence away. Yeah. It could take months. He's like done his part. She tells him he, he needs to think about all the other kids. Griff doesn't give, give a shit. He just wants his brother back. Yeah. They get a little close. The goon cops start taking bets on whether or not he will score. All right. All right. I don't know what's going on here. So are we saying that she knows that? No, she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that he's there listening. The Keystone cops are just. Does he know that they're. Un- Surely he, she must know that he's under surveillance. No. No. So we just think the Keystone cops. They're so corrupt. Are doing their thing. They're corrupt. They're doing their own thing. Right. Okay. Cool. Interesting. The sex channel line was a bit heavy. There's a lot of finger licking in this scene. There's too much finger licking than I would like. (laughs) She wants to make him feel good. And she does, in fact, start to, we think, go down on him. But she pops back up and tells him that they're even and throws his underwear at him. Yeah. She chews him out. She chews him out and it's like, go get your fucking brother. (laughs) This is, again, a line I just want to remind everyone that he asked her how old she was and she didn't answer. I don't think that's about how young she is, she looks, and whether or not she's underage. I think it's about how young she is to be the cop that she is. Yeah, absolutely. Still. Still. Dude. I thought you were my age, but you're a cop. Does How are you mean, a cop at this age? Does exactly. That mean, does that mean you're older? He's, so therefore not adult. a problem. He's not a child. He's not a teenager. He's college he age. He's like a teenager. No, he's uh, supposed to be college okay. age. Okay, okay, okay. That's why okay. he keeps saying, oh, by the time I have money, I won't. there won't be any colleges left. Right. I think it says okay. more about you than it does about the movie. Hey, friend. I'm just concerned. Yeah, about nothing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like well, that's it's good. Not, it's not in the script at all. Okay. Not there. I, I that is absolutely There are so many problematic things in this movie. There's not even close to one of them. I think because there are so many problematic things, I'm like, how old is he meant to be? They are both college age and okay. consenting adults. Okay. She has her own apartment. Good. Next day, Griff makes Milty dinner and Milty gives him shit about where he was last night with that girl. Fuck that kid. I don't like Milty. I don't care that he's on I drugs. liked him at the beginning. No, I don't like Milty through the whole movie. I I love that he is a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love I love right. seeing this little kid act fully fucked up on drugs. Yeah. That night, the B-13ers are having a party, and here come the roller boys in slow motion with machine guns. They shoot anything that moves. Gary Lee just stabs a dude to death. Yeah. The car blows up for, like, no reason whatsoever. Also, we see, uh, what's his name, our hero, firing machine gun into the crowd and then he has reservations later well i don't think he fires it no he does do something so there's also a random shot that is really gross of a roller boy missing a leg it how comes did that it's happen? Like so violent and it comes out of nowhere and you don't see how it happens and then they never mention it again there's nothing else like it in the movie so griff helps some people escape yeah pretends to fire his gun but bill Winkle just sees him do that and yeah. confronts him he's like what are you doing you just let those people go at the pier casey tells griffin to stick with it you'll you'll be okay he asks about her brother she wasn't proud of him and then she's got nothing to say at the warehouse mm. milty's failed a piss test yeah he's being dragged in by bill Winkle. Gary Lee slaps him in the face. He, fully, he slaps his kid so hard. I fully thought he he actually slapped him because they sell it. I think he did. 
Oh, fuck. He tells him not to cry and to be strong, and then he hugs him, which yeah. is like classic. And says, I'm sorry. Emotional manipulation. Yeah. yeah. Bullwinkle um, is incredulous. I don't know how you can't hate, how you can hate Milty. He has some fucking clangers just, throughout this like, movie. He's just, he's a child actor that, I, and I don't really like, commenting on child actors' performances, but I don't think that his acting is super... No, but and his also, lines are an, fucking hilarious. he's just annoying. Like, he's just so yeah. overwritten. Yeah, and he's so overacted for sure. He's overacting and he's overwritten. But that's, that's the that's comedy that of this fault. film for me. It's not that kid's fault. Yeah. Griffin goes to visit Speedbagger to explain. Speedbagger asks about Milty. Griffin can't get through to him. He tells Speedbagger that he loves him. Speedbagger's like, I don't want your love. <laughs> I want you to think about what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. As he leaves, Bullwink is watching him eating an apple very aggressively. Very menacingly. <laughs> so aggressively. Yeah. He must hate that apple. But like Almost it, as much he, as he hates he people from other races. Like in that scene, it seems like he's caught him doing something, but didn't they already know that he was friends he's with Speedbagger? He's seen him there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I get it. We can hurt his friend, which I already knew he had. Once again. It is for a expositional plot purpose. Yeah. That does not take into consideration any of the other scenes that we have had in the movie. And like weirdly, the weird thing is, is that they've said how racist they are throughout the whole movie, but they don't say that you can't talk to or associate with other races as well. So it's just like, what's oh, going on actually here? do in a second. There's oh. actually a line of dialogue in a second. Oh, second, yes, they second. do in a second. But yeah. they haven't already. And they haven't yes, already. Yeah. So Gary Lee visits the RV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's been some talk. Some of the guys don't think that your heart is in this. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. Uh. Griffin tells him that they're wrong. Gary Lee tells him he's going to be enthusiastic and part of the team. Cut to the roller boys skating around a man with a bag over his head, beating the shit out of him. That's so clearly speed bagger the whole time. The whole time. The Griffin's, whole time. Griffin's joining in. Yeah. Milty is watching and yelling no. How does he know? Exactly. Milty would know because it, the body looks like Speedbagger. Yeah, they take the bag <laughs> off the, the guy. And the noises the guy's making. It's Speedbagger, yeah. Griffin tells Bullwinkle if he touches him again, he'll kill him. And Gary Lee likes a man that stands up for his friends, but he can't have a friend like that. And the roller boys roll out. Bad. At this point, are they kicking him out? Like, I don't understand nah. this scene. It's a test you know of, what I mean? It's a test of loyalty. But it's he didn't like, know. It was you, Speedbagger. Yeah, but the plan is always to reveal. Yeah. And then to kind of, yeah. So Teach him a lesson, kind of. Yeah. yeah. But it just, it doesn't play right. The logic behind this, the action doesn't play right. Whole movie. Yeah. Griffin and Milty sit with Speedbagger in hospital. And he tells them they've got to get the fuck out of town. Milty reminds Griff, once in, never out. What are we going to do? Milty, would you just relax, please? Relax? Where are we going to go? Say it. Huh? Where are we going to go? Milton, there's lots of places we can go. Lots of places. Like where? The Outerlands? Yeah. Work meltdown cleanup. Live in bubble towns. The dead I meat. love the world that they're building around. I wish there was more of that, yeah. right? Because yeah. it is kind of like, and actually this movie this time around, it's a little cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Where you have like the outer lands and there's a city and stuff, except without, you know, like production, like that level of production yeah. design. and technology. Yeah. But like maybe we'll get it in the sequel. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Roller Boys 2. <laughs> yeah. Rise of Milty. Prayers answered. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Griffin tells him to go home. Milty, that is. And then he'll meet him later. And then Griffin tells Casey 
they're too deep. They're leaving. He kicks Speedbagger just as hard as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. She gets it. Her brother was a nice guy until Gary Lee got hold of him. He asked her to come with him, but she isn't leaving until it's finished. He goes to leave and she makes a move and then they wake up in bed together to the door knocking. Well, we get the we get the very cliche blue silhouetted shot of lovemaking. Yeah. Or leading to lovemaking. At the door is Bullwinkle who just barges in and sits down right next to Casey's police badge that she has left out on a table. If he didn't see that, that would have been fucking wild. It's okay because in a second he just stands up and puts his hand straight on the badge. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls a gun. One of the Keystone cops busts in and Bullwinkle takes Casey hostage. Bullwinkle recognizes him. You burnt down the mist house. I didn't catch that. I just heard the creeping around the mist house. Yeah. The other guy... The other cop has snuck in behind and just executes Bullwinkle. Yeah. Good timing. Griffin comforts her. Jarowski tells him to dump the body and make it look like the B-13ers did it. He asks the Keystones, what was the kid talking about before they turned his face into soup? Yeah. <laughs> How does he know that they were talking before his face was turned into soup? Yeah. Uh, and they're like, we've got to go get some sleep. We've been awake for a long time. Jarowski just lets them go. Yeah. Do you reckon it's because like he knows they're corrupt already? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, from the end of the movie, we know that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's also a very hard end bomb dropped in this scene. Is there? Yeah, Is by, there? by um, Bullwinkle. I didn't even notice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. It is low in the mix, but the way it's said is, is hard. Right, okay. Yeah. Jowski appeals to Griffin. He's so close. Griffin's like, nope, I'm out. Casey's like, I'm not going with you. Can they make this cop, this co- chief cop, look any more disheveled and like, oh, I'm having such a upon. tough time. Yeah. yeah. It's just like he he even has a moment where he puts his hand through his hair and then scuffs his hair back up so he looks more mm-hmm. disheveled. Sorry. I just it bumped on me. It's like they're trying real hard to make him look like a trench coat, like, you know. 1950s. Yeah. Classic. Well, not even those 70s. Just like burnt out cop. Detective. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, back at the RV, Milty's stoned again. Gary Lee comes around and tells him the Bullwinkle's dead. He questions Griff and is clearly suspicious. <laughs> yeah. He tells Griff they'll take care of Melty. That's what family's for. He wants Griffin to take Bullwinkle's shift in the mist lab. Okay. Not suspicious Why? at all. Like, he's just not suspicious of Thingo at all. Griffin calls Casey but gets the Keystone cops. He tells them that he is going to be in the kitchen. And to tell Jarowski to be there at noon, mm. which is not the right play. Yep. The next day, Gary Lee opens the kitchen. He's brought Bango along to coach him. Bango. Bango fucking has some fun in this scene. Through his first <laughs> shift, yeah. Hail to the chef. Griffin's not looking forward to eight hours locked with Bango. And Bango's like, You know, it's about time when you two shot each other. I didn't shoot him. Oh, I'm not complaining, believe me. Bullwinkle was a psycho. He's better off dead. Gary Lee doesn't like me drinking on the job. You promise you won't tell? He's <laughs> also nice Bango time. is saying that. Bango's, Bango's a fucking, he's a yeah. weird cat. So Griffin picks up about a bag of powder that has a skull and crossbones on it. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> I wasn't shown this powder out of the red, green, and blue that I was shown last time. Bango tells him, it's the rope. <laughs> Gary Lee's secret high-performance additive, it makes the addicts sterile. It's Gary Lee's final solution. Yep. Oh, God. It's eugenics. Yep. It's Hitler. Yeah. 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 Again, it's just like, we could have made them, like, 
racist white nationalists. We yeah. did not need to perhaps go this far. Yeah. I don't have a problem, as I said, I don't have a problem with them being like white supremacists and neo-Nazis, sure. right? Like that's part of the, like, that shit's true. It's right? a feeling like, trope. It's, it's like, it's part of the thing. It's just the the very specific modeled behavior. Yeah. Like, you know what would have fit perfectly in this movie? Like a little bit of the, say, uh, fuck, I'm having a mental blank. Um, you? Never. I know. Harrison Ford. Um, Harrison Ford. Yes. Not Star Wars. Um, Blade Runner? No. No. With the whip. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. I can't believe I could remember okay. that. Okay. So I'm getting like, uh, what, what wouldn't hurt in this film is a little bit of the Indiana Jones Nazis where they're like caricatures and Cartier, like fun. Nazis. Yeah. Because that would have been way better. It's a different thing. Yeah, but yeah. it just would have been nicer for a film. Griffin asked about Milty. He should be okay. <laughs> But you need to keep him under control. Yeah. Bango's so concerned. We montage through their day to Blown Away by King Swamp. Bango's going in on this too. Making money and making mist. <laughs> Bango's just dissolving stuff in yeah. the acid, a Do beer a can, because he brought a cooler with beer in it. Yeah. Gary Lee doesn't like me drinking, but we're, we're cool. You won't tell him. <laughs> He's doing a bit of dancing, some chin-ups. Bango's having a good time, man. He dissolves a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> As the sequence go on, we do see the Keystones infiltrating the Navy Yard. I love this. This is so comic booky where they pull someone into like a corner and stuff and then just beat him up noises. and then walk out. Yeah. yeah. Griffin asks Bango how he really feels about Gary Lee. I would die for him. Yeah. <laughs> There's gunshots from outside of the airstream. Bango tells him to flip the acid switch and the cops yell out for Griffin to stand back. They're going to blow the door. Yeah. Bango feels betrayed. Oh my God. If Bango looked at me the way he looks at fucking <laughs> Griffin in this scene, I'm- Break your heart. No. You uh, love that Aryan boy. <laughs> Look, he is very funny. But if he looks at me like that, I'm like, I'm about to get my ass warped. Yep. Like Bango is a big man. Bango would fuck Griffin's shit up. <laughs> Griffin has to knock him out with a pipe and then yeah. he tells him to stay down. He does not. They fight. Bango just manhandles him and, and uh, flips the self-destruct button. Yeah. The door's blown open. The Keystones kill Bango. They tell Griff he isn't going to make it, but they're the cops. And they also just told him to stand clear of the door. <laughs> Why do they care if he's clear yeah, of the door? Exactly. Well, because they need to reveal that Griffin is in on the plan, and then three seconds later, well, that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. To the screenwriter. Yeah. Who wants Bango to know that Griffin betrayed him. Yeah, but also, like, wouldn't there be motivation for them, like, letting Bango kill him first? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that it makes no sense. Except for we need this to happen, so yeah. this happens. Yeah. yeah. Dumb. They're going to be rich cops. <laughs> Griffin finally figures it out. Yeah, and just shoot him. Why tell him killed, that you're corrupt? Casey bursts in just in time, killing them. And Jurowski's like, I knew they were up to something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now... Yes. Is there a point between here and another scene where Griffin puts skates on? Because he puts skates on. <laughs> we could just assume that he always has them in his bag of holding. That yeah, okay. And they just click on real quick. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, Gadget. He'd be good at getting them on quick. <laughs> go, go, Gadget, roller skates for a chase. As they leave, Gary Lee and all of the roller boys show up they have guns and they have milty he wants an explanation from griffin this was an error in judgment perhaps oh my god he, thought he, he goes from this fucking real charismatic dude to a complete insane person can you explain all this a little error in judgment perhaps it's disappointing very disappointing 
first my parents, now you. I think I'm psychologically damaged. I trusted you, Griffin. I thought you understood my vision. What day of the rope? Sterilizing everybody? Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Melty bitches that Griffin isn't saving him fast enough? <laughs> Hurry up! And give him what he wants! Or what do you want? Give us the drugs, dumb dumb. Guys, have I Fuck said man. have I said that this movie is fucking ridiculous yet? Because yeah, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Milty saves himself by biting Griffin's face yeah. uh, by biting Gary Lee's face. <laughs> Chaos ensues, a gunfire breaks out. Griff tells Milty to run yeah. and then just leaves him behind in the middle of a gunfire. Yep. That's what he does. He's an excellent big brother. On skates. Yeah. <laughs> On skates. Was Gary Lee driving the car with his skates on? I don't know. That's a great <laughs> question. I and hope so. That shows real skill. Can I also ask, at what point, like, because it may have happened, I just can't remember. At what point did he go from chasing down Gary Lee to being chased by Gary Lee? Oh, just this whole sequence is so disconnected. Yeah. It makes no sense. They, they're inside, they're outside. There's a warehouse. He hides. Gary Lee locks them in and taunts them. Griffin rushes him and clotheslines him at one point and then just runs away. Yeah. Gary Lee. Where he does the thing where he spins around the pole because I liked that. Gary Lee blows up some propane tanks. Yeah. Griffin's thrown down. Did you hear that in the mix there? God damn. Yeah. It's like in (laughs) slow motion. Gary Lee complains that, you know, that Griffin betrayed him and he wanted to trust him. Call me sentimental. And where have the cops gone throughout this whole thing? Well, they're in a gunfight with the rest of the roller boys. (laughs) We do see Casey with Go to Milty to protect Milty. Yeah. After Griffin has abandoned him. Yeah. I didn't mention that. I skipped that line of my notes. Yeah. Griffin swings around a pole. Pole dancing skates. To dropkick Gary Lee. I feel like maybe he's been moonlighting with a third job. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That was too far. Got that. Got that. Got that. It's more like parkour, man. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Blade Carter. Blade Carter, of Hi. course. It's the explosive combination Fuck. of rollerblading. Bring back Jim Carter. And martial arts. <laughs> Milty gets the gun. Where the fuck did Milty come from? Casey just let him leave a gunfight? Yeah. He throws the gun to Griffin and tells him to kill Gary Lee. Griffin hesitates. I do love when like a him. villain. I do love when a villain says, you better kill me. You better kill me. Kill him. Gary Lee slowly pulls a hidden blade. And Griffin knocks him out. Not stupid either. <laughs> yeah. You kind of are though, because yeah. he's saying you better kill me because if you lock me up, I'll come after you. Yeah. He does say that. In the aftermath, Jurowski takes Gary Lee away as Griffin, Casey and Milty watch. And then in an RV, the whole family's there. Yeah. <laughs> Griffin, Casey, Speedbagger and Milty. They're headed to Oregon and Milty is still bitching. <laughs> <laughs> I love the speed bag of punching. It's never not going to be cute. Right. Griffin and Casey are making out too much in front of a while child. he is driving a car. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're not looking at the road yep. for too long. Yep. You would end up not on the road anymore. It is <laughs> yeah. dangerous behavior. <laughs> the ending of this movie is real weird. In- I love it. I love this last scene. It's the best part of the movie. In prison, Gary Lee wants to increase his investment in the Pacific Northwest. In an all-white outfit. Because that's where they're headed. In an all-white outfit holding a spray uh, spray paint can. Because he's m- created a mural inside his own prison cell. Yeah. yeah, he's with his lawyer. Talking to his lawyer that has a full desk inside his cell. Yeah. It's a weird prison system. Oh, it's the best. And then, <laughs> and then the movie ends with terrible ADR. Yeah. 
over a shot of the RV driving that yeah. was clearly added afterwards. Why? It, like, it doesn't add anything. Why would they do that? Milty asks if Gary Lee will find them. No way. And then Speedbagger gets the last line. We're going to a new place, Milkman. Everything's going to be fine. Don't you worry. And that is Prayer of the Roller Boys. It felt a little bit like they were setting up for a sequel. 100% they were. I think they thought this movie was going to be a hit. Yeah. 100% they were setting up for a sequel. But I would be down. I would get around a sequel to this because that la- if it was more like that last scene. <laughs> like that last scene was so fucking like... As in the scene, scene in the in sorry the, prison? the second last one in the in the prison. You yeah. want more of him in more prison of the with just his... that shit crazy oh, shit. Okay. You know what I mean? That was fucking dumb, and I'm here for it. An appropriate age to have seen Prayer of the Roller Boys. Oh, guys, it's difficult. I think at the time that the movie came out, yeah, and out of the current context, you could probably watch it younger because it's rollerblades and ridiculous and flips and great. But because of how Badly, this movie has aged mm, um, because, of, because, of, because of current, yeah, not enough for it to matter. In Australia, it's rated M15, which is recommended for mature audiences for medium level violence and coarse language. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think teenager um, because of the, like, you need to be smart enough and understand not to mimic behavior you see on yeah. TV. But if, you know, white supremacy hadn't become such a big thing in our society these days, maybe that number would have stayed lower. I have three answers. <laughs> Mine, I have a Zero. Question. I have an 100. Answer answer, nobody. I have an answer and it comes in three parts. <laughs> kind of curious on the money. Can here. we leave and then, and then <laughs> you can just do it? And I think, I think what the context of what's in the movie I could have watched this, and if everyone had the same sensibilities as me, I could have watched this at a, say, an eight-year-old age. There's nothing too offensive. The political content of this movie is if you're going to come out of a cinema chanting The Rope, Day of the Rope, rope, um, maybe fucking at least 30 so (laughs) you have some fucking knowledge about the world. And my third answer is no one needs to see this movie at any age because it's fucking... It's just a movie that you don't need to watch. I'm not going to say it's terrible. I had a fun time watching it, but you really don't need to watch this movie, which probably answers my next question. You can watch this movie. It's got Corey Hayman rollerblades. <laughs> just <laughs> holding on for dear life. You know how we talk about how Brody gets hung up on stuff? I'm not hung up. I just <laughs> No, you're just holding on. I was a little bit older when I found this movie. In 1990, I would have been eight, but yeah. I didn't see it when I was eight. I saw this movie. I found this, vi- this movie in a video store when I was 15. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? No. Yeah. In a, in a similar way to I would watch any Corey movie and yeah. if we if you put it on, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Corey and Rollerblades. I, I would do what but you did and be like, hey, you should watch this movie. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> so that we can talk about how crazy but this like, movie is. I would yeah. be like, I would put it on and leave the room and go do other shit. No, I would, I would watch it again. It's not that bad. It's just that it's just bad timing and the world it's not movie's fault that the world got bad I will get into it (laughs) at my rating yeah I mean I watched this movie again I'm sure I'll I'll try just to reiterate not one of my favorite movies of all time or anything watching this movie was not a bad time Mm. no yeah a rating for Prayer of the Roller Boys. The way that we rate movies is on a five-star scale with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie, two and a half being I liked parts of this movie, it was fine, three being I liked this movie, four being I loved this movie, and five being this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Just going to go ahead and let you go. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not someone who typically rates things low. 
I generally give things the benefit of the doubt. And if I had a good time, I'll rate them high. And like I said, I did have a good time. And I was going to give this a, this movie was fine. But then you just reminded me of Jim Carter. And that's a movie that's fucking a great time. And like, hey, I can give that a better rating and feel good about it. I can't give this movie a good rating give it and feel good about it. This is a two. <sighs> Interesting. I haven't said anything. <laughs> yeah, I know, but your your reluctance to give it a rating and how you don't know how you feel about it is interesting because you were barracking for this movie. It's not her fault. <laughs> it's time's fault. She only remembered <laughs> the home. She loves Corey Ham. Yeah, I get it. And Feldman. Dude, I, I, Feldman. I, I get it. Feldman a little less so, but I, I get it now that also, I've seen a Corey Ham. Is that also because of the year? <laughs> it's it's because I've seen what he is in the modern day. Yeah. That's, yeah. You need to ignore that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I had written down 3 to 3.5 and I don't know whether it's a 3 or a 3.5 because I, I love Corey Haim. So technically, like, I love parts, parts of, of this, this movie, movie because yeah. I love Corey Haim. But that's one. Parts means multiple. Well, he's in the whole film. <laughs> that's fair also. I and also, he has multiple parts. And <laughs> I also, true. It's got legs and arms and everything. That's and true. I also like rollerblading movies. Yeah. I'm trying to think about what other movies I've given 3.5s. Because I don't give fours very often. Yeah. So I know that I've given stuff 3.5s. And so I think I'm going with a three. I think that's too high compared to other things that you've given a three, but you go Three for is it. I like this movie. Yeah, I know. Uh, you, you guys know how I feel about this movie. I feel weird about giving it a two. I feel like it should have been lower, but. It's really not but, that bad. Uh, yeah, okay. But like we have talked a little, we've talked a lot about the problematic nature of the representation of white supremacy Correct. in the movie, right? But. And it's not a like, pro-white supremacy movie. Yeah, it's not. True, that's, true, yeah, true. sorry. Yeah, so that ultimately what we need to say is yes. that it is not, this movie is not pro-white supremacy. Correct. The white supremacist yeah. lose at the end of the movie. It's true. just that it's The movie in is there. confused about its depiction of it. Again, but that's right? not why I don't like this movie. Okay, then. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, but you still rated it kind of low and say that you can't rate it high because you would feel bad and so that indicates that not necessarily about about the message that uh, there's some white supremacist message it's not yeah. like that it's more about like this movie was just slapdash not well written like oh, yeah, totally. even like movies that were like bad and I had a good time there's like correct motivations for things you know what I mean mm. sometimes at there least. Some, I had a bit oh, of they're like so balls to the wall they're fucking yeah, crazy the thing is is that we are different people and we yeah, feel differently about things so I'm not just going to agree with you yeah. um, and there are movies that you would have enjoyed in, on this podcast that are just not for me this is of way course. closer to being a movie that is for me because it's got Corey Hayman on rollerblades no judgement about so, your score yeah it's like just it's, musing on it I'm going to say three, but I might change it to 3.5. Say no judgment about her score, but you did judge her score. Yeah. A little bit. I'm just talking about it. Yeah, okay. You, I'm, well, uh, I'm fine with whatever. I don't, yeah. I, hey, you can. I'm just like, hey, you've given some other things that I understand a three and no judgment on it if this is a three for you. just Yeah, it might be a 3.5. I'm still mulling, but I'm going to say three for now. Okay. 3.5. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Saw that coming. Because... I love parts of this movie. Yeah. The, the 2023 thing and the state of the world has definitely changed the way that I think about this movie and requires me to provide more context to the people I inflicted on. Yeah, of course. But it has, and it has rubbed some of the shine off the movie from being a four because I can't love the whole movie. Yeah. Because I now see how messy it's, it's depiction of white supremacy is, but it's still 3.3. Yeah. And I get it. And I'm going back to 3.5. If I had the nostalgia, (laughs) if I had the nostalgia, I would get that. Yeah. Because I didn't, I like got to the end of this movie and I was like, 
What the fuck was that? That's, I think that's, it's a, a, and funnily enough, like you're saying that, and that is the exact reaction that I wanted when I should hear yeah, at the same yeah, time. It's right. the exact reaction I wanted when I, when you see it for yeah. the first time, it's just that the, what the fuck is about a slightly different thing than it yeah, used to be about a little bit, little bit. Like I said, I wasn't too affected by the white supremacy thing, but yeah. like it is part of the decision. And I guess the thing is, is that like you are going to love a movie that's got John claude Van Damme in it because it's got John claude Van Damme. You're going to love a Chuck Norris movie because it's got Chuck Norris in it. No matter how When you mentioned Jim Carter, Jim Carter made me take a nosedive on the score then because I was like, it's a martial arts movie and it's silly fun. So there's certain movies that you're like that with that that it could be super problematic and you might still give it a five because because of things. And for me, Teens on Rollerblades and Corey Haim, is that kind of yeah, thing for me? I'm always that, gonna, totally. I'm always gonna give a movie that's got those kinds <laughs> yeah. of elements in it a chance. Yeah, one of the most problematic movies that we have ever talked about on this podcast, not Meridian, The Wraith. Yeah, I rated five. I love The Wraith. I can see how super problematic, so rapey. Yeah, so awful. <laughs> yeah, like it's so fucked up. It's still, still a five. Yeah, I can see that it is that. I can see all the ugliness in it and and still love the things that I, things that better I love. Better made movie and though. <laughs> yeah, mm. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. not. Better written. It, it doesn't have as much going on and you know mm. there's a conciseness to it. <laughs> We're going to get the fuck out of here yeah. before, before, oh. before Kira. Needs to have the baby. <laughs> Needs to have the baby. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. So we're going to move on. Next week, the way that we pick movies is that Kira and Brody alternate taking turns from picking three choices that I prepared from the store. This week is Brody's pick. And you'll get to watch the movie you I pick. I know, I'm that's so excited. That's a nice time, isn't nice it? Time. I'm so excited. <laughs> and you get two new picks. Nice. If a movie remains unpicked for three times, it's struck out and taken off the list, although I can bring it back at a later date of my choosing. Yeah, we struck out River's Edge last week. Yeah. Bring it on, Ken. With Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Bring it on, all I can say. These two new picks better bring some heat because I know what I'm picking otherwise. Okay. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I found sound less confident after you asked me that. I bought a little something for everybody. Okay. <laughs> Still on the list with one strike. Mm. Yay. Mm-hmm. Is... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, boy. Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way. Yes way. But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston. Who is Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the iron maiden. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. And they're making a big impression. Historical babes. Now they're home. Buddy, get together, remember who your buddy is. To trash the 20th century. We got a live one here. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Napoleon. We're from history. Billy the Kid. Oh my God. Joan of Arc. Sigmund Freud. Tell me about your mother. You a musician? Beethoven. Genghis Khan! Abraham Lincoln. Party on, dudes! Socrates. George Carlin. We're history. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 
69, dudes! <gasps> Bill and Ted's Excellent! Excellent! Excellent adventure. Party on, dude. And it has the never seen pink case. It is a very nice case. Very rare pink case to go with the hyper color uh, Bill and Ted title. <clears throat> History is about to be rewritten by two guys who can't spell. <laughs> Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Time flies when you're having pu- fun. Party Pums? on, dude. <laughs> Party on, dude. In case it's not clear, Kira and I invoked a quote from Bill and Ted at our wedding. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. A portion of our ceremony was dedicated to uh, to Bill and Ted. To Bill and Ted. I believe your sister read it out as though it was a very important quote from someone very important. <laughs> yeah, we, subverted, we subverted the trope of somebody reading a heartfelt poem. I love that. They said, be, be excellent, excellent to, to each other. other. Yes. Party on dudes. Yes. <laughs> New on the list. Something for everybody. Mm. A little something for Brody and a little something for Kira. Also, because Kira thinks it's going to be the default that she picks Bill and Ted, and I can't let that happen. I have to make it more challenging. Okay. So first, a little something for Brody. Yeah. How would you like to spend time with an old friend? Is it a third? Is it a third or a two? How would you like to see Future Cop 3? Oh, my God. Death lives. I literally, as soon as you said that, I was like, I thought that was this. He's a trancer hunter. Stranded in our century. <laughs> Out of enemies. That's right, folks. It's time to take advantage of our holiday raids at Jack Death's Detective Agency. Out of luck. I thought we agreed on a clean break. This is the greatest Christmas present I've ever had. And out of time. Where is Jack Death? Where is Jack Death? <sighs> what the hell are you? You must come with me. But now, Jack Death is going back to the future to take care of old business. Welcome to hell, Jack. Did you give him his assignment? I'm going to send you back down the line to kill the transers at this source. Find the son of a bitch who started this thing and send his ass.
Summerson, Andrew Robinson, Melanie Smith, Megan Ward, and Helen Hunt as Lena. Trancers 3. Future Cop 3. <laughs> Death lives. Fuck me. Jeez. Time waits for no man. Oh my god. I don't know if I've seen this movie. <laughs> I'll tell you what's wild. <laughs> Look at his hair. I'll tell you what's fucking wild about this movie. Helen Hunt is still in this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Does he still have two wives in this movie? Two wives. <laughs> two wives. This is where they introduced the third wife. Yes. And then, a little something for Kira. Corey Haim. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not fuck around, right? Like, yeah. we, Kira and I- Let's stop fucking around, Ken. Right? So there, is a, there are movies that I've held back, right? Yeah. There are movies that I've held back because I don't want to, you know, do all the iconic stuff up front. I like to spread the iconic stuff in mm-hmm. with the uh, the future cop of it all, the trances of it all. Yeah. But- <laughs> They've totally dropped trances. Because of our uh, coming child, there are a limited amount of weeks yeah. left Kira's here, yeah, that yeah, Kira yeah. is going to be here. Yeah. So let's have some fun before Fucking she goes, enough. right? I'm going to come back. I'm not dying. I'm just having a baby. <laughs> well, before she goes away for a little while, yeah. right? And then it's just like three dudes, three white dudes with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just like the podcast Every I never wanted podcast. to make. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm here for the diversity and I'm leaving. <laughs> so... Let's not fuck around. Yeah. Let's do Brendan Lee. Oh, in no. The Crow. Holy shit. There is a legend that a crow can carry a soul back from the dead to seek justice and put the wrong things right. To move your dead. I'm dead. And I move. Brandon Lee. It's not a good day to be a bad guy. The Crow rated R. Oh my god. It is a little bit for you, but it's more for Kira because... I love Brandon Lee. (laughs) Brandon Lee's great in this. Brandon Lee's fighting skills are way better than everybody else's. I love Brandon Lee movies. Brandon Lee. The Crow. Fuck me. I haven't seen this movie in years. Oh my god. Oh... (laughs) Okay, so, I have okay, a plan. Wait. So oh. let me just, I'm going to reveal some of the mechanics of my gameplay. Yeah. Right. So my, I mean, you might choose the crow and good for you. The, the, but my expectation was that there would be would something else that you were future comp three. Yeah. And then Kira would have to choose between the crow and Bill and Ted with Bill and Ted already having two strikes. Yeah. And I would also be able to put a third choice on the list. I'm warning you that that third choice will also be a heavy hitter. Do we want a heavy hitter where it might jeopardize? But we can control ourselves. We can control ourselves. Can you? We can. Whatever he adds at that point. You're choosing Crow, right? It would be you, but yes. No, you'd be choosing Bill and okay, Ted next Okay, so week. my plan would be you choose Future Cop this week. I'm I'm, I'm just letting this out. I'm kind of leaning towards Bill and Ted. That's fine, but in terms of making the system work, this week <laughs> yeah, you choose- Brody, just shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This week you choose Future Cop. Yeah, Next week, I'm I choose Bill and Ted. I'm down with that. The I week will choose after the that, crow. you choose the crow. I, I am almost choosing the crow right now. The week after that, I'll pick whatever this heavy hitter he's going to try to screw us with is. Okay. Just so you know, 
we, my, we, we try, we, if we behave ourselves, we can watch all of the movies. My preference right now. We just need to not let him screw us over. My preference right now is Bill and Ted, then The Crow, then Future Cop. But I'm worried that you won't choose Future Cop. That's all. what. That's actually why I think you should pick it now. Yeah. Because I'm more likely <laughs> to get swayed. I'm never going to not. like I, that He could put anything on the list and I would pick. Like if I was picking this week, I would be picking Bill yeah. and Ted. Really? Yeah, really? Over yeah. the crow? I can't not pick it's Bill got, and Ted. It's, got okay. safe, it's safe for so long. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and Bill, it's Bill and Ted. All right, yeah, I do want to see Helen Hunt again. I do love Helen Hunt. And it might be nice also to watch like a, a And weird Megan one. Ward is still in this. I should not be ro- looking at who's in the movie, should I? No. Okay, my bad. That's why we don't read, Brody. That's why we melty this shit. Yes, deal. 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 Future, one Future Cop 3, Death Lives, please, Kian. Okay, I can allow that time. <laughs> we may have fallen straight into your hands, but we will control ourselves. I also think that if we do control ourselves, then we may end up in a situation where the last movie I get to watch with you guys is Brandon Lee with The Crow. That's it. We're going to get the fuck out of here. Next week, do not come back. Do not like, do not subscribe. Do, though. Definitely do. Don't and do also, in things. the meantime, please go back and listen to Future Cop 1 and 2 so that you know what happened. Okay, trances. And... Leave a fucking review. Leave a review. Because I've been making stories. Well, true stories. I've been preparing stories to tell. And, and I haven't had any chances to. Chance. No, no one wants follow, to know about me. You can follow us on social media at We Kid Video. We're Do on it. Instagram. We still have Twitter. Um, we have Letterbox. We still have Twitter, despite its... Despite <laughs> Until its, we have to pay for it. Despite its rollerboy-like <laughs> decline. Yeah. It's, it's, it's white nationalism. Yeah. <laughs> we have Instagram. You can find us there. And, We're on TikTok. You know, I haven't, posted, I haven't posted there in a We're on Letterboxd. We're on Letterboxd. <laughs> I haven't posted there. Yeah, okay. So I've follow us on Instagram. It's yeah, the only place have, we really are. I have old business that is actual like business I need to do, which is like <laughs> to put the ratings that we have done onto Letterboxd, and I have not done that. Yeah. That's okay. So okay, we're that. on Instagram. I'm yeah. pretty, anyway. I'm pretty and we're, we're, ahead. We're, we're around on there. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Good show, boys. I'm not going to be quoting this movie. I'm just warning you in advance. I'm not saying a single line out of this movie. And... I love Corey Ham. <laughs> nice doing business with you. <laughs> Scene. <laughs>